0: B.
1: Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the amazing nerd show. All right, man. Let's jump into it. We got a lot to cover. A lot,
0: a lot, to as cover. As yes. <laughs> I feel more so this episode, though. So let's try to keep it around two hours this time. All right.
1: Let's, not, more, let's go. not go. A let's go. not go until <laughs> like
0: one o'clock in the morning this episode. So start off. We got Star Wars news. Yes. All right. There's all these rumors swirling around Kathleen Kennedy right now that she's possibly out as the executive producer of the Star Wars franchise. Thoughts, Christian?
1: Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with her wanting to leave if, that was, if that's the story. But if the story is just like her getting...
0: Doesn't sound like that's the story. Yeah. It sounds like there was a big <laughs> meeting of, you know, different executives from like Pixar and Disney and whatnot. Mm. And they were kind of, you know, asking for her removal. So that's the rumor, though. Um, that hasn't been confirmed or anything. The problem is, is they don't know who would replace her. And no. it sounds like there have been a problem with even like, you know, like maybe they've offered it to people and people are like, eh, no, I don't think so. Well, because it's a lose lose situation. Exactly. Um, especially the way, you know, fandom is nowadays. Uh, yeah. So it, it's interesting, you know, one, you know, side of everything, like I'm kind of like, I enjoyed you know most of the you know, Disney Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. so I'm a little disappointed. Um, but at the same time, I understand where some of those executives are coming from, where if you're not pleasing the fans, and you've had a lot of drama surrounding two of the movies. You know, with, like, Rogue One, you had everything going on, you know, during the production of that film, where there was tons of reshoots and everything. And then you kind of had the same story, you know, to a different degree, though, during Solo, where you actually had most of the film shot, and yeah. you fired your director. Um, Solo is going to end up costing, like, it's going to be one of the most expensive movies of all time, because they basically yeah. had to shoot two films back to back. So I can understand, you know, regardless how much clout she has. And she has a huge pedigree, like following her, like with like E.T., Jurassic Park. She's done a lot of movies, um, especially with like Spielberg.
1: I just don't think this is a franchise that... Have that big of a (laughs) screw-up? I just don't think it's that kind of franchise that you're going to win over people, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. This is like a Bible for people.
0: Yes, and that's the thing. You know, if you're trying to please fans, if it's just based on you know fan reaction, and I do believe, even with Last Jedi, it's more of a vocal minority than a you know majority of fans who hated that movie. Mm. Um, I don't think you're ever going to find someone who's perfect for the job. You know, because I feel I feel like no matter what, there's going to be a faction of fans who are going to hate your product no matter what. Because they didn't write it, because it's not exactly the vision they had for these characters. You yeah. know, I can agree with the majority, and I feel like it is the majority with Solo, you know, it just being a so-so movie. Um, you know, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world though.
1: No, yeah, I still but, think it was a fun, good movie.
0: But in the long run, the fact that they lost so much money and they had to yeah. fire you know, a director after most of the film was shot and reshoot reshoot half the movie or most of the movie. I mean, that's a pretty big like
1: you know mm-hmm. fuck up on I think, her part. I think my main concern is that you know with the rumors that saying that J.J. Abrams will now just have complete control over what happens in Episode Nine, mm-hmm. and that there will be like because Kathleen Kennedy had this kind of and how it's been with all the films is like there is a. A hierarchy. through line A yeah. hierarchy, what we want to see. Now, with fan reaction to The Last Jedi and everything that's been going on, especially with um, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, all the new sequels, they're probably going to then, of course, especially with JJ Abrams, it's going to play up to fans more.
0: They're gonna write the, they're gonna try to write the ship in their minds. And you know, I um you know and you weren't a huge fan of Force Awakens, correct?
1: I I was okay. With, I was fine with it. It mm-hmm. was I was still on my like on the edge of the seat the entire movie and I enjoyed it, but in the end it was it was a good for me just continuation of Star Wars. It wasn't like it was kind of like a continuation of whatever George Lucas had been working on. That's how I kind of see it and view it.
0: It wasn't groundbreaking like yeah. bringing on this like new era of Star Wars.
1: Whereas yeah. I feel and I piss off people, Ryan Johnson played around with the mythos and played around with the entire idea of what Star Wars is and what it can do and continue on to be. That's why I'm kind of looking forward to see what he will do with three films in the future rather than just playing around with one because I feel like he will actually expand on the universe rather than playing in the same playgrounds that George Lucas created. And
0: that really seemed like his mission Mm -hmm. you know, through that whole movie. It really seemed like he wanted to expand on that universe and kind of you know change the mythos and what these movies are about, you know, because these movies obviously have to move away from you know the whole Skywalker family mm-hmm. now. Um, just you know with actors getting older and everything. I mean, yeah, you could have made Rey a Skywalker, but for me, I didn't necessarily even want to see that. Um, oh. You know, I, I I don't mind seeing you know, this mm-hmm. whole universe, you know, kind of encapsulated in different movies different that's why I've been kinda excited about it. and that you know, with even like the extended universe, you know, the legends you line that mm-hmm. they've been doing. That's what I enjoy about those lines is the fact that you've got like, you know, in Clone Wars, you're seeing different Jedi's and you're seeing, you know, like this you're exploring this whole universe, this galaxy. Um, and that's what I was kind of I was really excited about after Last Jedi was it seemed like they were gonna go that route. And they've announced, you know, that there was going to be not only one new trilogy, there's going to be another trilogy. Um, like Favreau is going to be doing a trilogy, oh, okay. and uh, then uh, Ray Johnson's going to do his own uh, trilogy. Oh,
1: so is Favreau getting one before Johnson? Now I have no idea because I, I don't know. The original plan was to have Johnson do the next trilogy. I
0: have no idea how that's working. I don't know if they're going to be just separate stories that are taking place at the same time. I'm not sure. So someone's
1: um, going to the Old Republic. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like they just haven't announced that yet, mm. but I feel like that's... There's going to be another... Logical, movie. like, route for them to go. Um, Where those movies don't have to worry about each other at all. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like she's kind of being like a scapegoat here mm-hmm. for everything. Oh, yeah. Which completely. is unfortunate. Um. I don't feel like Last Jedi was as bad as everyone, you know, mm. says it is, or at least what some fans, you know, who are bitching the most are saying it is. Like I had problems with that movie walking out of the theater. Oh yeah. But upon second viewing at home on Blu-ray, I was like, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Like I really did enjoy it, you know, and even afterwards, I think I said I really enjoyed I mean, it. I think I it was my, my <laughs> number two pick for the year, like, favorite yes, movie. I so. so, I mean, but yeah. I mean, yeah. we're
1: a year and a half out and I'm still, Upset with some of the things that happened in that film, but I still loved a lot of what he did to create this, like to help move this viewer universe forward.
0: And there's a lot about, I feel like the good outweighs the bad mm. in that film. And there are some parts that I do consider bad that I did not enjoy, but there's so many great, you know, scenes of that movie that I just loved, mm. you know, um, that I couldn't get out of my head for months after the film. So I think people just need to relax a little, <laughs> honestly. Um, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. We're obviously keeping an eye on it, but you know, it feels like it's going to be sooner than later that, uh, Mrs. Kennedy is going to be leaving us. So, which is unfortunate, you know, but Uh, I, I, like I said, I kind of understand it. I kind of get it.
1: She's not going to lose any sleep over this. No, she's going to (laughs) be fine.
0: (laughs) I mean, she's got like Indiana Jones money and like Jurassic probably, she's got tons of franchises that she's worked with. So she's doing okay. You know, I'm sure she'll get a nice job at right after this, the
1: day of. You know. Yeah, you know what's scary to think about? They're still gonna probably do another Indiana. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's that's like in pre-production. Yeah, exactly. I think her
0: name's attached too. Hmm. She works very closely with Spielberg, so I'm. Sh- that's all happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's oh Carson's so old now. <laughs> Uh that's a whole other episode because I could really go into uh-huh. like you know what do you do? Do you replace that actor? Do you? I mean, not to take us
1: too far off the rails. <laughs> I, this is going to be a three-hour episode. This <laughs> is a mess. <laughs> not to take us too far off. I finished. I finished reading um, Ready Player One. Oh, okay. And I'm not. I'm not. Speaking gonna, of Spielberg, I see. Yes. Where I see. There's a loose connection there. I'm not going to like go into like a review of the book or anything like that. I definitely. I get how, like, this is, the movie is Spielberg. 100%. Spielbergized version of that book. Mm -hmm. I could see why people were, would get upset by that. But at the same time, I think the movie still works on its own. So did it stray
0: away from what that book was? Yes. Oh, really? Okay.
1: A lot. I mean, this is like, hey, this is, hey, we have this book. It's pretty cool. Deals with a lot of stuff going on in this world. And Spielberg's like, I'm gonna make it just like every fucking other movie I've ever made,
0: <laughs> but with a whole lot of nostalgia. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, the book has to do with. All okay. This stuff. So it it doesn't it doesn't take away from that. Does it like gut the core though, like of the book? That's what you're kind of making it sound <laughs> like. I mean, there's a lot of elements that you're losing. Like you're losing, um, you know, he is this kind of like ugly nerd on the computer. And he's Living definitely within, like definitely no, not that in this that. is Hollywood as Hollywood yes. guests of this like w- weren't you saying though that the, the
0: kind of the uh girl you know friend or you know hmm. the, you know, she was supposed to be kind of like that in the movie but it didn't make any sense because she was this yes. obvious like beautiful actress but she was supposed to have some like birthmark or something like that yeah
1: it's it's explored in the book but it's still not it even in the book it's still very like oh yeah she's still attractive
0: Oh, okay okay. So he didn't. That didn't get like you know no. Hollywood. Up. The
1: book just ends too. Like it doesn't go in. Like the movie ends in a way. I'm s- spoiler for this movie. The movie ends <laughs> in a way where it's like, oh, and we decided to do this with the Oasis and this, and this is how we're gonna live our lives now. The book gets to a point where he's like, I win. It's over.
0: Oh, game over. That's basically it. Okay.
1: And it's like, uh, like he meets the girl. Uh, he meets the girl at the end of the book, and that's it. It's like, where do we go from here now? It's like that's it. It's, has there been a sequel to the book? No. Huh. I don't think there's going to be anything like that. Okay. It could, right, well. I mean, with the success and everything of that, so. All right, well, I still have not seen that movie, <laughs> so
0: I believe it comes out on Blu-ray soon, so maybe I'll check it out then. Um, but yeah, well, there, there, there was Book Christian kind of talking about than. Ready Player yes. One. <laughs> just just randomly. Two months after the fact, but oh, hey, no, I get it, Spielberg. Yeah, hey, And another... he, he can pretty much do whatever the fuck he wants now. You know, he's Steven Spielberg,
1: so. Yeah, but, but you enjoyed the movie, right? Yeah, I enjoyed the movie.
0: Okay. It just was, you could see, if you read the book first, probably yeah. not so much.
1: It was definitely a Spielberg bastardization. Um, a bastardization. Okay, nice. <laughs> I'm just, I'm putting it how it <laughs> Okay. Was. That's how it okay. was. Um, it. Another classic movie that's getting kind of like, in coming back for us is Predator.
0: That's right, and we got a second trailer this yes. week. Yes,
1: we didn't talk about the first one and because it was forgettable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the the first trailer was pretty shitty. I yeah. was not excited for this movie at all after that first trailer.
1: That's technically considered a teaser, but that that showed so much. It was like two minutes, exactly. Long, right? It was like, okay. So I mean, this is a being thirty,
0: 30 seconds long nowadays. Know. Like teasers are like as long as like trailers um yeah because that was like the whole kid in the basement and everything like that mm. it didn't really show you much um it almost felt like aliens versus predator to me like yeah. the setup and everything at least what we saw in the teaser but that being said seeing the trailer the full trailer this mm. week um i was actually kind of you know more on board with this movie now um they kind of introduced you know the rangers um you've got the whole setup for the movies really laid out but i felt like it didn't show too much um it definitely has a strong 80s vibe going oh, yeah. <laughs> with it um and you know shane black is directing this movie he also did iron man 3 which i'm not a huge fan of obviously um but uh he also uh is known for you know a lot of writing a lot of big scripts in the 80s, you know, a lot of 80s um, blockbusters. So you can kind of see that vibe, you know, strong vibe. In these. And it works because it's, you know, an 80s property. So I like the fact that they have the commandos, you know, that the movie's going to really be like, you know, seem like based around this team of commandos. Um, it does have a strong T2 thing going on too. Um, or at least I'm oh, predicting. Yeah, they're, they're teaming <laughs> up with that predator. That's so basically they show... That they're being attacked by this one predator and super predator. Well, well, they have one predator attacking them first, and then also this other, like he gets like pulled out of the (laughs) wall, and there's this giant predator, you know, uh, holding it up in the air. So it looks like it's probably like eight, nine feet tall. Hmm. So that was a bit campy, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I I mean, it was, it was okay. It looked good though. Hmm. It wasn't, you know, but yeah. Yeah, the, the setup with the narration, like going over it, um, definitely. So, but, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to give it a shot. I like the Predator movies. Mm-hmm. I even enjoyed part two and, you know, part two mostly is dog shit, but I still
1: <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed it. There's, they're a good time. I haven't had a lot of issues with Predator movies. Um, I like the last Predator movie. The one I where the still convicts, haven't
0: watched it. I think the, uh, the convicts are like, shipped off to some like like special planet yeah it's like predator like Mm -hmm. like base or something so i've
1: heard nothing but good things about it and it's definitely had a definitely more intense vibe to that film
0: yes yes and it felt more like in the vein of
1: the first movie Mm. i really love this cast for this film as well um you got thomas jane you got boyd um, holbrook who's from um, narcos and stuff like that Mm -hmm. A lot of great characters. Thomas Jane doesn't nice. seem like he's the lead in this either,
0: right?
1: No, no it's definitely uh, took me Thomas. a
0: little bit where I was like, "Wait, was that Thomas Jane?" Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and what do you think about like the one guy who seems to like know a lot about the Predators? Like he mentions like they know, like they've taken over like space or you know, I like mean, the universe or something. Like, like I don't how, know. Like, I don't how, know. how is this technically does this guy a sequel know?
1: <laughs> or no?
0: I'm guessing it's probably like loosely. Yeah.
1: So. I
0: don't know, it looks like it's gonna be a fun ride though. Yeah. I'll check it out. As long as the <laughs> like the third trailer doesn't like suck ass, I'll probably, you know, check I don't it out.
1: see this being like a box office success and whatever in whatsoever. Was but... it
0: rated R? Do they have a rating for this yet? No, but it's gotta be rated R. I don't know that first Aliens vs. Predator movie was not rated R. They corrected it after the second uh, movie because they want people to go see it, you yeah. know. Um, now they know, you know, with like movies like Deadpool and stuff, that radar movies can actually make yeah. money.
1: And that came out in the time where they really were doing that to anything that was almost a radar. Everything
0: property. was PG 13, yeah. Um, so um, Predator needs to be an R rated movie. Mm. Definitely. So hopefully it gets that R rating. Um, but yeah, now I, like I said, it was it, one of those rare occasions where after my initial reaction, like it won me back over. With the second trailer, because usually mm. that first reaction is means so much. But this time, I was like, "Oh, okay." Now I get what this movie's about. You know, I, I could kind of see what's happening, but you know, I'll still want to go see it. You know, <laughs> seems like it's going to be a fun
1: ride. Yes. And really,
0: I mean, how unpredictable can a predator movie really be? You know, <laughs> it's a predator movie. We know basically, you know, A, B, and C is going to happen.
1: Um, would you want Schwarzenegger to show up?
0: for maybe a little cameo <laughs> but not as what's his name you know oh. although I guess that could be fun it
1: could be fun
0: I want Jesse Ventura to show up although he's dead so he can't
1: I <laughs> could wake into you know.
0: I guess <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed that's his line or Carl we- is Carl Weathers alive is Carl I Weathers dead
1: no <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy
0: someone let us know if Carl Weathers is alive <laughs> Carl Weathers, you're listening. He's also dead in the movie, so he can't <laughs> show up. But, you know, that would be cool. So, a little cameo from all of them, mm. you know. But eh, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Schwarzenegger's too busy making like his like fifth like Terminator movie. Like, they're doing another Terminator movie.
1: Wait, you're serious?
0: Yeah. yeah you haven't seen it with uh, uh, Linda, Ham- Linda Hamilton is, like, back. No. Am I saying her name right? Linda ha-
1: Hamilton? I think you're saying it right.
0: Um, she's bad. <laughs> she looks like a fucking badass. But like she's like a badass grandma.
1: What is this, Terminator 6?
0: I don't even know. I've lost count. No, no. So no. many of them have sucked, so... <laughs> how, no, we're,
1: I was about to ask you how did you feel about the last one? But no, I didn't
0: see the last one. I stayed away. didn't see the last one. Why? Just watch it. No, <laughs> I want to know. That's like us. when someone tells you, "Just hey, smell this." That's not. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be good, so don't smell it. <laughs> I'm not going to see the last it, one.
1: It's like a reboot of the entire universe. Almost
0: they try to reboot the whole thing, kind don't they? Of... Have like the old like, so the whole everything that happened. The Christian. Okay, we're down to
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're pretty much like fixing. It's because then like, which movie was it when Christian Bale was in it? Um, that's Salvation. Wasn't that kind of like
0: a soft root reboot of everything? Kind of, not really.
1: It's just supposed to be during that. Aren't time all travel. these movies technically reboots with the time travel? Yes, but this was like literally like they go back and it's Sarah Connor, like in the um in the first movie, but she already knows everything. Okay. She's so, like basically the like hero. And of then the there was a TV show. Yes, <laughs> the TV show was supposed to be good though. Yeah, it I was. heard good it was, things about the fun. show. <laughs> it only lasted like a season though, right? Yeah, It was like, uh, was it one or two? Uh, God damn, this episode's talking way five too much about five hours this. <laughs> long. <laughs> All right, it's time to talk wrestling? Yep.
0: It's time to talk wrestling. Get your
1: side counters going.
0: All right. Christian's going to do a lot of groaning. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, we're just going to recap Raw and SmackDown, right? There was no huge source. Oh, you know what we forgot to talk about? What? Last week. And we kind of teased it because it happened that day. Was Big Cass getting fired? Oh, yeah. We actually didn't actually (laughs) talk about it. We are like, well, we know what happens. Foreshadowing. And then Uh. we didn't bring it up. So Big Cass got fired. Yes. And it just sounded like it was a complete fucking shit show Mm -hmm. the entire time. I'm surprised they kept him on, like, for the pay-per-view and everything, because it sounded like he was all going downhill and the the writing was on the wall already. But then there was some, like, rumor has it there was some, like, back like stage incident
1: that happened. Yeah, I had no idea that they were... had like um had broken up and had all this extra stuff going on. I knew backyard. that they were
0: together in the past. I didn't mm-hmm. know if they were still together or whatever. But it sounded like it was just like the straw that broke the camel's back, and they were like done. So, so do you think like him and Enzo get back together and do like a reunion tour like on the
1: Indies? I mean, hasn't Enzo like talked crap about him though?
0: Yeah, they're supposed to. There was supposed to be some kind of like falling out or something weird.
1: So I don't know. I don't see Big Cass doing that, but I feel like that I would like indie promoters have said that they want to bring them two together again.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, there would be a great heel team right now. How over were they when they first debuted on Raw? Which is so crazy because it's only like, what, like two years ago? Yeah. At the most. Um, I mean, they, from out of the box, they were huge. So, I mean, it's it's insane to think that they're both no longer with the company mm. anymore. But it shows you how quickly things change. You know, so, um, and how much like backstage politics and, you know, you know, just ethics and wrestling matter. Because it sounds like that guy had, like, heat from, like, the get-go. Like, Mm. you know, Enzo especially, but Cass had some decent heat going on. You know, a lot of things, like, came out this past week.
1: Yeah, it's... Like, just four months ago, I was talking about, like, I think Big Cass is going to become something big. And this week I'm like...
0: Well, when Enzo got hurt, um, you know, it seemed like they really started to push him. And he kind of was finding his footing as, like, a singles wrestler. And they seemed like to be really behind him. Um, so I don't, it, it's crazy how quickly things, you know, mm. change. It really is. So we'll see. And I mean, it's wrestling. If he gets his shit together, he'll be back in a couple years. You know, he's young still. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, McMahon loves a big guy. So, and Cass is definitely a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So anyway, let's talk Raw. Um, we started off the show with Roman and Lashley in the ring. Promo wasn't half bad. You know, that being said, it, I think it's more of a, it was an awful <laughs> situation. <laughs> um, but they had a good, like, back and forth, you know, going. And the bar is low, really. Mm. Um, but Reigns felt more natural, surprisingly. Um, you know, he felt like he was comfortable. And Lashley felt a little more comfortable in the rank. You know, they're letting him not smile as much and not, you know, kind of, it seemed like he was, he felt more akin to like, his character in TNA than what they've been doing with which him is what since he's, he's needed to be no exactly exactly and you brought up a good point with like WWE using all that footage from TNA the last month which mm. they have to have some kind of handshake agreement with them or something like that they could be using that footage or just showing like they kind of allude to his history and like, like what he's been doing the past you know several years but they could be really pushing him by using some of that. Like, show him with all those belts, you exactly. know, that or, one image or...
1: I mean, even if they just want to say, like, they don't want to use the brand name, just say, man, he's been a world champion in multiple promotions yes, why he to wasn't say. here, and then... Because
0: Reigns brings up his, like, MA, like, you know, um... Uh, run that he had the short little run but Mm. then he said what happened to you after that and then they just kind of leave it hanging where that would have been nice for lashley to be able to use that you know i've been a champion wherever i've gone man so i mean you know and bring that kind of swagger to the wwe Mm. because he definitely has not had that (laughs) he's been playing almost this weird like i don't know boy scout character
1: he's been a worse character than back in the day
0: (laughs) yes because back in the day he had no character whatsoever Mm. Um, but yeah, now it's just like, it was borderline creepy the way he's been smiling and everything. But you could say that with a lot of like the Mm. WWE faces right now. Too much smiling going on in the WWE. Um, but yeah, so they had a little back and forth and everything. This is definitely setting up a feud. Um, you know, I don't know if this is going to be extreme rules or just going to be kind of like a raw feud, um, leading up to something at extreme rules. There was supposed to be a like number one contender's match happening at extreme rules. Right now there's rumors going around that there's some issue going on with Lesnar's contract. Um they talk about it on the program right away when they talk about anything. Oh yeah. On Raw, on camera. It's work, you know. That's I mean, I I, I was surprised with like how many sites were reporting it mm. as like, you know, could this really be happening, or this is really happening, you know? It's like, there's no way, like, if there was some kind of issue, all McMahon would do is just strip Lesnar of the title and say, oh, due to injury, Lesnar, you know, we had to strip Lesnar of the title. You know, I mean, there used to be a 30-day yeah, rule back the in they the day. Just throw the yeah, but crap. that's been thrown out no the window a long time ago. But all they could do, you know, they just have to show a little thing, and that's it, you know, or... I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm sure McMahon would have something in his contract where you have to give us the title back. You're not allowed to bring this title anywhere, you know, if things fall through or I will sue the shit out of you. Mm. There's no way McMahon and his lawyers didn't have that in the contract. So it just doesn't make any sense for there to be any real issues other than, you know, just when you need me. I think it's more of a vehicle to put Roman over and to, like, paint Lesnar as this, you know, prima donna, you know, star athlete.
1: Do you think Lesnar shows up at the end of um, Extreme Rules?
0: Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I'm wondering if they feel like the ship sailed with Lesnar, too, and that we don't even want him to defend that title. We don't want to have Reigns versus Lesnar because of what happened last time that they Mm -hmm. wrestled. So maybe they just have Lesnar show up to Raw and they have Strowman come out and just cash in right away. You know, Strowman's the wild card in all this. I don't think they want people to shit all over SummerSlam's main event, which is what's going to happen. Unless they, like, bury that match in the middle of the card somewhere and let AJ have the main event of the show. Um, Assuming that that AJ... (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen because it hasn't happened, you know, yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels logical. Um, I just feel like maybe they're coming to the realization that, you know, they can't book another Reigns, you know, versus Lesnar match, you know, again. It does no one any
1: good at this point. So do you think it's going to be a triple threat then?
0: What? At SummerSlam or at Extreme
1: risk? I'm thinking at SummerSlam it'll be a triple threat between um, Lesnar, uh, Braun, and Reigns.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I'm wondering, though, if they even have them wrestling each other. You know, I just don't know if you want those two in the ring together because you're going to end up, if Strowman, if Strow, if Strowman's in the ring, at least it gives people something to cheer, mm-hmm. you know, instead of them just chanting random things throughout the match and just taking over the show. Um, so that would be a good bet. They could always have Strowman just show up as the bell rings and hand in the suitcase and say, I'm part of this match now, you know, so he's there from the get go yeah. and people would go crazy then. Uh, but you better have Strowman walk out with that belt. You know, unless you're, you know, ready to deal with the backlash of Reigns, you know, holding that title, you know, and going over on Strowman. Mm. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. I feel like though they're still on board the range train, you know, as ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, let's let's move on. I'm so done talking about Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, all the contract stuff I feel like is a work. I, I don't believe it until something major oh, no. happens, comes out of it, you know, like Lesnar quits or I just don't, I feel like it's well, all. What's a work the out. contract issue? I, they're saying that he doesn't have to, he, Heyman came out and said like, Brock isn't going to defend the title until he has a worthy, you know, exactly. opponent. I was like, that's a, like, no one's going to actually say that. <laughs> These are actors, people. So, um, oh, no
1: professional is going to have a contract where it says... Your oh, I fake to advocate, come out on Facebook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the chosen platform for WWE social media. Come on. Um, so, but, yeah. So, moving on. Oh, Revival actually got a win over Lashley. And Which is great. So, yeah. It's kind of like a, a kiss your sister thing because it was due the, to them, like, you know fighting between but themselves. But that's how it should be. But, yes, that's fine. But I just would have liked to see them get more
1: offense in this. Oh, okay. well, I didn't... But,
0: see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was definitely a step in the right direction. I was furious last week yeah. when they lost that match. Um, so hopefully they're next up for a title shot. Um,
1: after <laughs> the B team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about that. Um... Yeah, Revival lost a match against a team that wasn't, like, friends before. I forgot who the two people were. I don't, It might have been Reigns and someone else. Probably. But, yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah, we just have these two mega Oh, they've and been, and, been like, whipping
0: boys last, like, since, exactly. oh, what's-his-name came back from injury, they've been pretty much whipping
1: boys. It should be if you're facing a team of, like, a team that's been established and we're working together for so long.
0: And their whole gimmick is their, their tag team specialists, mm. you know, that they're, you know, this is what they do. You know, they know how to be a tag team better than anyone else knows how to be a tag team. So, yes, they should overcome a team that's never been partnered together. Exactly. Absolutely. So, but yeah, um, we had Naya return, smiling, you know, walking down the aisle, confronting Alexa Bliss. That drove me nuts once again. She should be coming out like a bat out of hell, you know, furious after what happened um at Money in the Bank. Uh, but for you- some reason, she's kind of giggling to herself.
1: No, you might as well just have her come out to the Big Show's music at this point. Yeah.
0: Cause that's really, fi- that, cause she was pretty much a heel, mm-hmm. you know, with Rhonda, but now she seems to be a face again. So that's the whole Big Show MO where he turns face and heel like six times a year. So someone actually counted like the amount of times Big Show like flips sides. Um, and it's ridiculous. So, but that, that didn't kill his career, but it definitely hurt his career.
1: I also can't buy, you know, Nia and Natalia being bullied by Alexa and Mickey James, you know? Yeah, well, it wasn't really Natalia
0: getting bullied by
1: her, but Alexa, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, as a threat, these two competitors going up against these two competitors doesn't... More, especially, yeah, especially Alexa. Like, I,
0: I see Mickey James, you know, yes, the but... caliber of wrestler that she used to be, at least. I mean, she still can go, but the way they're pushing her now. But, um... Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I mean, it, it just, I don't know. It's a placeholder for, you know, till SummerSlam, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to get, I think they actually, she did invoke her rematch clause for Extreme Rules against Alexa. So we're just waiting for Ronda to come back. Mm-hmm. I see no way that Naya goes over in that match. So we'll see what happens. But Can't wait to see that match. <sighs> For Again, what? how many times now? It's been like it's got to be three. Three. I feel like it's been more. It's <laughs> a minimum of three. <laughs> Just months build up to those matches, though. So I've been. I feel like they've been feuding for a while. Oh. Um, Bailey and Sasha. So after they they get forced into a tag match together with their partners against the Riot Squad, they go through the whole match. I think em- Ember Moon is actually part of the match. Um, they go through the whole match. Sasha ends up, you know, getting pinned. And then right afterwards, Bailey gets unleashed on Sasha Banks. And it's not and like a
1: moment of like, oh, she walked in and thinks about it. No, she sprints. She as yes, soon as the bell and rings just attacks her.
0: Now, a lot of people right away were saying, oh, this is Bailey's big, like, heel turn. My thing is, and this just might be WWE's poor writing. I don't feel like this is a real heel turn, just because Sasha jumped her twice last week. So I feel like this is more retaliation um, for what happened. And this is more, yes, it was definitely her unhinged and very un-Bailey-liked, which Mm. I I enjoyed. But, you know, and the fact that, like, right after the fact, Angle, like, said, no, you have to go to uh, counseling. Which is... Absurd because you had Braun Strowman flipping over Kevin Owens' car later on in the program <laughs> and doing multiple things. Wrestlers attack each other all the time after the bail. No one else has to go counseling except for Bailey. Um, so I don't know. And maybe this will be leading to a full heel turn, but until she like literally stabs her in the back in the middle of the match, you know, and attacks her, and I see this kind of fire, I'm still like pumping the brakes on calling it a heel turn. I just don't trust the WWE. Sasha also has to go to counseling. Does does she actually yes. have to go counseling too? Okay, good. good. So, so you're um, going to get a whole uh, bits, you know. Okay. I mean, God, this has been going on since like before WrestleMania. Like we thought this match was taking place on uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania yeah. So, oh my God, it's like six months of this shit. You know, I mean, God. I mean, they have fucking awesome
1: matches together, but I don't know if it's worth like six <laughs> months of this crappy buildup. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Well, they haven't had a match in the last three pay-per-views, right? Against each other? No, they haven't had so any. Exactly. They haven't had any real. They had really...
0: two, like, one-on-one matches on, like, Raws, but they were, like, very short, very lackluster, and they ended in weird ways, I believe. Um, and then they kind of just got away from it, and they were friends again, kind of. So it's just been this bad soap opera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wrestling is usually a bad soap opera. But, like, I can at least understand and track the storyline as ridiculous as most of them are. Um, but just this like... one is just horrible. It's like they just don't know whether or not to pull the trigger on it. Mean.
1: It's just sad, like, seeing gifts of TakeOver 1 and 2 where they're fighting each other. And it's just... Yes. Yes. Legendary like, matches. Beautiful matches.
0: Le- leg- and maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get legendary matches out of this and we'll forget about all this past six months. <laughs> but right now, man. Oh, God. But if I can see that fire from Bailey, you know, going forward in this program, awesome. I just don't trust it, though. I feel like we're going to get the hugger Bailey again. Oh, so, if
1: I get... Um, instead of the anti-hugger... Or if I get I, some birthday uh, money this weekend, I'm going to buy uh, that "You Ain't Shit" shirt <laughs> for <laughs> sure. That was great, though. That was great when yes. she was like berating around the
0: ground and everything.
1: Um, but yeah,
0: that would be right. And what's the the little characters like frowning yeah, or something frowning on, on it? Back. Yeah, we posted it on our page so on you, Twitter. Yeah, yes. on Twitter. So definitely check it out. Um, oh, I'm sure we could post that on Instagram too, but it's pretty awesome. Who's that? Who's offering that? What company's doing that? Um, it's just it's just not WWE. Just, no, 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 it's just this
1: dude who makes shirts. Okay, who makes different designs. Uh, like he made like an offensive one about Paige and all those other stuff. Uh okay. <laughs> well, I don't
0: know if I want to support that guy, but. Um, but yeah, so then we got Braun and Owens. Um, I've been enjoying the chemistry between these two guys. It's weird what's going on right now. Um, Owens last week was trying to befriend Braun, but basically very upfront about it. Hey, let's use each other. We both need, you know, someone watching our backs. You know, I'll use you, you use me, blah, blah, blah. Very upfront. Braun obviously had nothing to do with it. You know, beat the shit out of him. This week, Braun came up and said, I want to give him another chance. They go through this whole tag match. It's actually them versus like Finn and, um, oh God, what's his fucking name? Um, oh God, the yeah, hairline. A, What's his fucking name? Hairline. Hairline. Oh, Corbin. Yes. Corbin. There we go. Constable Baron, Corbin. Yes, that's what was getting stuck in my head. Baron Corbin. Um, weird, like you know, team ups, but they actually have a really fun, entertaining match together. Um, there's good chemistry there and everything. At the end of the match, you know, it seems like you know Kevin's kind of one brawn over, um, and then like, of course, Kevin like pats him on the chest like one too many times and then Braun starts to chase after him. Yeah. And then Kevin gets away but then shows up in the parking lot and his car's completely like flipped over. So, yeah. But it... it I'm I'm wondering where this goes. I'm wondering if we get a Team Helmo no type thing going on which is literally the first thing funny enough this week that popped in my head when I saw these two working together. Just the way, you know, everything ended and everything. Just kind of like that weird chemistry um, where I could see them actually end up being friends in the long run. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll see. Now, after, you know, where, where we're at with SmackDown Live and the fact that Team Hell No spoilers are back. I don't see that happen.
1: No, I and mean, mm-hmm. this is just clearly just a placeholder until they can put Braun in the main event. Yeah, I think, but I think it'll be
0: a nice vehicle to
1: showcase both their personalities
0: mm-hmm. too. This isn't the kind of Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss play, placeholder where I feel like it's just a treading water. I feel like you'll actually get some entertainment value out of these two. Um, you know, because they definitely were working well together. Mm-hmm. So I could see fans too getting like behind <laughs> those two together i have oh, a feeling they'll get another like second chance you know to be a team or something will happen um so we'll see cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Owen has to beat braun at some point yeah maybe we'll see well uh shania yeah, we twain said that she won't sing the song unless he beats Owen uh braun what are you talking about <laughs> you don't know anything about this uh, i saw i think i saw a little like was he at a concert or something like that yes he loves shania twain he's been tweeting at her for a while and uh, to get her to play this song called When. Okay. And he went to the concert, and she pulled him up on stage. And they had this whole, like, moment and conversation, and she ends it with, if you beat Braun, the next time I'm around, I will play your song.
0: So she pulled them. up. Was it completely s- stage? It had to be stage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was stage. Okay. Okay.
1: Or, like, she gave him the opportunity. Like, hey, I know that we've been doing this back So are we actually
0: going to get a Raw match now based on? No. Owens and Strobing. It like Owens, like, like I have set, to beat like, you. So Shania
1: like, <laughs> plays I, I would
0: have put I wouldn't put it past the WWE mm. to do that match.
1: Oh, WrestleMania. So. Uh, that's going to happen. <laughs> Shania, Shania comes and out and yeah. sings.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I did not know that. That's hilarious. Yes. We'll forget everything I just said. It's totally going to be Owens versus <laughs> Braun. Oh, God. Oh. So she pulled him up on stage. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. All right. (laughs) Uh, So, all right, we'll move I don't even know where to go now. Oh, Oh,
1: Seth Seth and Dolph.
0: Great match. Great match. (laughs) 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 At the end of the show. You know what I've enjoyed? The last month or so with SmackDown and Raw is they're giving their matches enough time. You know, like they're getting multiple commercial breaks. And I hate commercial breaks, Mm. but they're going long enough where they need you know, multiple commercial breaks. And these two just have great chemistry once again together in the ring, you know, so, I mean, this was a fun match. Um, It ended up with a DQ, um, which was pretty predictable. And unfortunately, Reigns came out, um, which was also predictable. S.H.I.E.L.D. is still a thing. Ah, whatever. Um, But yeah, it was, I'm excited to see these guys work a program against each other. I am. So I feel like Rollins will eventually recapture that belt. Um, but yeah, th- this should be a fun program. Yeah, And it's giving Dolph some, you know, needed spotlight. Mm. So, And I think Drew McIntyre will
1: definitely come I, They're I definitely really
0: echoing Shawn Michaels and Diesel though right now. It's <laughs> like, I mean, they're really going full on. They're not even trying to hide the fact um, that they're totally just, you know, ripping off that whole storyline. So I, I, I see Drew turning on him sooner than later. Um, which, I mean, he looks like a monster. Mm -hmm. So I see big things. You know, as long as he doesn't screw something up backstage, I see big things in line for Drew. So, um, and McMahon's supposed to be really high on him. But, I mean, this is one time where I can actually be excited about a person that he's behind. (laughs) So, um, but yeah. So moving on, SmackDown. Uh, Not much happened on SmackDown. It was kind of a slow show. Um, We had Nakamura get taken out of the U.S. title match he was supposed to be. And they advertised the shit out of this. Yes, for like
1: two weeks. Well, and on Raw,
0: they were just like, there was like five or six, like, you know, ads for Nakamura versus Hardy. So I was really surprised when you messaged me and said, Nakamura's not fighting Hardy. I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I just sat through three hours of them advertising (laughs) Nakamura versus Hardy. Apparently he got bit by a dog, a police dog, before the show or something, like in a house show. So he wasn't able to work the Monday like house show or uh, SmackDown. So I don't know. I mean, it must have been a pretty bad bite. Mm -hmm. And they're actually in Japan this weekend. Yeah. So he's supposed to be working. Yes. A big hit. So hopefully he can work those matches. The fact they're even like saying, well, he might be able to work is a good Mm -hmm. sign though. But yeah. So we got Young, Eric Young um, versus Jeff Hardy um, instead huge botch in the very beginning of this match where i i don't know if jeff was going for the twist of fate or whatever but they totally just like whiffed just a miscommunication which i was really surprised about because these two have worked together in tna a lot Mm. so um it was still you know it was a decent match even with that botch they picked up the pace right after that um, but then, of course, what ends up happening is the Usos run out and attack everyone, um, you know, and it ends up being a six-man tag. Um, and Sanity ends up losing, which, which I was really furious yeah. about. It
1: didn't make any sense to like me. Like, this was their first televised match, correct? On the um,
0: no, I think they wrestled against... Was it, no, they attacked the Usos. Did yeah. they attack the Usos? It was quickly? supposed to be a
1: match, but they just attacked, attacked
0: them. Right? Yeah, so this was their first, like, match. Yeah, so it, it made no sense, you know, um, to me, you know, logically. Mm. But, you know, it's the WWE nowadays. And it makes me fear for Sanity. Like, they're not really behind this team. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, they were still putting them over, you know, in the commentary. And I know they're really, like, on board with Hardy. Yeah, I feel like they've got big things in line for Hardy right now. And I, I know they want him to look strong, Ooh. you know, going to this feud with Nakamura. But I still feel like there's a way to book that match where Sanity gets the win and Hardy still looks good. So. Or even if they lose, have Sanity
1: just obliterate everyone after the match.
0: Yes, which is a, just an old, you know, hat for Ooh. WWE. That's their go-to usually. You know, or just have it end up in a DQ where Sanity goes insane exactly. and starts hitting people with chairs at the end of the match. So, I mean, there's so many different ways to book that match where no one loses any face whatsoever.
1: Oh yeah, it was. I was very disappointed when I found out that Sanity lost their first home yeah. Match. Yeah, much yeah, yeah. Especially Western.
0: with them like kind of debuting, but then not debuting. I mean, and then it ends with them losing their first match. It's not a good sign at all. So, um. So, Becky is still looking strong. They seem to be really, you know, pushing her right now, um, which I'm excited about. Um, She ended up winning a match against Sonya Deville. It was a good match. It was another, you know, uh, example of WWE giving them enough time. So um, it was a good match. It was well-paced and everything. And they're definitely, like, they're booking Becky very similar to the way they're booking, like, Seth right now, where I feel like they're making her kind of like the people's champion even though she doesn't like have a belt or anything like that. They're making her like, you know, that fighter that everyone's kind of behind, you know. Not necessarily an underdog or anything, but I definitely feel like she'll be the next one, you know, after everything kind of clears between uh, Carmella and Asuka to get like mm-hmm. a title shot. So, um, you know, maybe like SummerSlam.
1: I can see. So,
0: definitely they they seem very behind them right now. Um, you have Dan. What are
1: are you saying that Asuka versus Carmella isn't going to Summerslam?
0: (laughs) Well, maybe they throw Becky into that match, um, or maybe you get Asuka versus Becky, which would be a really great match. Yes, but I feel like Carmella, Carmella is going to be in Summerslam, and maybe she gets like dethroned there. But who knows? (laughs) Who knows nowadays? So, but uh, the only thing noteworthy, obviously, was the big reunion between uh, Team Hell No. So you had you had a really good match between Daniel Bryan and Luke Harper happen. Um, God damn, Luke Harper can go. Mm -hmm. Like you forget like how good he is. He did a senton off the fucking uh, apron, and it just was so smooth and just like matter of factly. Like my god, that man is huge to be doing a movie a move like that. He's so impressive. Um, You know, I mean, I love. You know, the tag team with him and Eric Rowan. But, like, I definitely...
1: Uh, it definitely benefits Rowan more than it does Harper. Yes, yes.
0: And I would love to see, like, a singles run for Harper.
1: Harper got... I mean, he mm. had the IC belt for a little bit.
0: And he had a really good ladder match between him and Dolph Ziggler. Which I feel like kind of gets forgetting about because Harper got hurt, like, a little afterwards. Mm. But, like, man, this sky's the limit with that guy. Um, you know, I really... I enjoyed that match a lot. Um, it ended up with the DQ. Rowan got involved and everything. I think uh, Daniel O'Brien had the yes lock on yes. Harper, and then um, out of nowhere, Kane comes back, and people lost their shit. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> they were so, like, as I was confused. I was like, "Oh, Kane!" I was like, "Where the?" I was like, "Kane, Kane hasn't been around, right?" Mm. And then I was like, "Yeah, no, he is. Is he even on SmackDown? I don't even know what roster he's, no, part yeah, of. he's on. He's supposed to be mayor somewhere. Like he just won an election. <laughs> he did, like a Mayberry or something. Like he's supposed to be some mayor. Um, so I don't know. They this definitely felt random. Um, people were super into it, though. It was I enjoyed Team Helmo. At the time, this is before Daniel's like big push. He was actually healed during that run. Mm. Um, that's why they're the hell no. So, uh, but you know, that's when he was wearing all the no gear and everything. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed everything Dr. Shelby and everything like that. I'm sure we're going to get Dr. Shelby again.
1: Well, I wonder, does Dr. Shelby even show up for Raw's counseling?
0: Hilarious. They actually had, they, he tweeted something, mm. I think, saying the guy, the actor who plays Dr. Shelby tweeted something at Becky Lynch, like, you know, not Becky Lynch, uh, Bailey saying, you know, hey, you know, did, did I hear counseling or something like that? So and apparently he works. So yeah, yeah, right. He does a good job. <laughs> <laughs> So, this was very random because I mean, these guys have feuded like a couple times since hell no, but apparently they're back together, you know?
1: Yeah. Until Kane
0: stabs them in the back and they end up having a match at SummerSlam. Right. <laughs>
1: Boo. I don't need that. Yeah,
0: I don't either. But it should be fun for a little bit. You know, if they're not going to do anything with Daniel right now, I mean, at least have him, you know, entertain. So, I mean, I like, for me, him just, you know, ripping competitors apart in the ring is entertaining, but I understand, you know, what else he brings
1: to the table. For your early prediction, do you think they're not going to win the titles then? I still want to think that Miz and Daniel Bryan
0: are going to end up, you know, in a match against each other at SummerSlam. Unless they're going to stretch that to, like, Mania. Cause I feel like that's where the money's at, and that's a huge match. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've just been teasing the shit out of that, and kind of keeping them apart. I could you see know. that
1: starting at Survivor Series and going all the
0: <sighs> Yeah. So I mean, unless so maybe they're holding off, and that that's kind of like their mania plans. I don't know. Because um, with Kane now, like if you t- if you talk to me before SmackDown, I would say, oh yeah, no, Miz and Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. I feel like that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like that's it's going to be like Kane and Daniel Bryan either capturing the titles at SummerSlam or feuding against each other at SummerSlam. So no, I don't feel like they'll win it at... Well, they actually have a title match
1: at Extreme Rules.
0: Is it Extreme? No, I thought it was next
1: week. No, she
0: said Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So yeah, so I feel like then... I feel like maybe they don't win it there, and then they have the big moment at SummerSlam, you know. So they'll save it for SummerSlam. Right. So that's my guess, you know. Unfortunately. So, although I I kind of like the idea of Miz and Daniel Bryan working like a long, promo, you know, program against each other. So and maybe that's not enough time if they're not gonna like have a match at, you know, uh, Extreme Rules.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, maybe that's you know a month build up for that's not enough. And I guess that could be just the beginning of their Weird. feud. It but... seems like they're just
1: teasing it and teasing it and teasing
0: it. <laughs> yeah, because that definitely is a WrestleMania caliber feud mm-hmm. right there. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. And maybe it's just me just being greedy and wanting, <laughs> you know, everything now. But, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Um,
1: I had the feeling that they're going to win the titles. Hmm.
0: At Extreme Rules? Yeah, I could see that.
1: I'm trying to see like, then where would the story go after that? Does, like,
0: Miz get a partner? And they feud with, like, Miz and his partner? uh, But I wouldn't want to see that. (laughs) I don't want to see them go into a long program Hmm. as tag team
1: champions. I liked uh, Miz, like, asking them if they wanted to be part of his uh, Uh Miz-tourage. Yeah. Trying to give them parts. That was great.
0: Miz has just been on fire, man. Hmm. He's really been carrying that company. Like, what Miz does for SmackDown. Like, I feel like what Kevin Owens does for Raw, Miz does for SmackDown. Yeah, I could, he really you know. just, like, carries, you know, the show on his shoulders, you know, every segment he's in. Um, and they know it, too, because I put him in plenty of segments. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so that's pretty much it on the World of Wrestling right now, this week. All so, right. So we're going to have to turn
1: the page to comics.
0: All right.
1: Nice. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this week we read two Infinity Countdown books because they released two of them. They did. Yes. Uh, first, we have Black Widow, number one. Uh, given the incredible, powerful space stone to look after by an old friend, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Black Widow has no intention of letting it fall into the wrong hands. But is even the top espionage agent in the world ready to handle cosmic responsibility? Find out next week on...
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> same Black Widow time. Same Black Widow uh,
1: Um How'd
0: you feel about this book? I can barely remember what happened in this book, honestly. I felt like it was a total just like we're doing a book just to do a book. Yeah. Um, and I was excited for the Black Widow story. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw her in the first Infinity Countdown book um, finding the stone in her toilet that nice. Logan like left for her with a nice little note. So I was kind of interested to see where that was all going, and this really was just about her learning how to hone its power. It seemed like, but not in a really interesting no. way. And it kind of like, I don't know, like the introduced like I, Jamie Madricks was like part of this, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Britain's brother, and Merlin was involved, mm-hmm. and you know they're in London, so I get it, but it just felt very random. And um the story wasn't compelling enough to really keep no, her interested. Didn't whatsoever. So, it wasn't a page turner. Um <laughs> you know, and really the end of the book is really her just kind of learning how to use the stone more. It really was just about her honing that power. I think So maybe that'll come into play somewhere. <laughs> but I felt like that could have been done in like three pages. I oh, didn't yeah. need a whole separate
1: issue. No, no, I feel like this whole book's purpose was, hey, this is how the space stone works.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. There you go. I don't know why Merlin had to be there, but not wanting to say he was Merlin. It was just weird to me. Because, I mean, I don't know why that would be so outside of the box for the Marvel Universe that Merlin's an actual character. And I feel like he's a big part of Captain Britain's lore. So I feel like she'd be pretty accepting of that. 'Cause it felt like it was kind of like the wink wink nudge nudge of the whole I don't know. I I I feel a
1: big part of like the last third of that book is Yeah,
0: but no, but like he wasn't sane. He wouldn't reveal like who he was. Like that was kind of like the big gist of, you know, their interaction. Like, oh I I'm I am who you think I am. Like it was Santa Claus or something. It just like this is the Marvel universe. Aliens <laughs> attack this planet all the time. She's got a fucking cosmic stone she's using to teleport like across the you know world. Ooh. Why would it blow her mind that you're Merlin? And she knows who Captain Brennan is and you know uh, Psylocke. Silox so it just I don't know. It felt a little weird. It felt a little weird. And yeah. just random. <laughs> just uh, there was no point Well these book. books, like I feel like these books have been completely
1: unpredictable. Ooh. You know and for the most part that's been a good thing. But this book it definitely was not a good thing. No, you have classics like Darkhawk, and then you have this, which you don't... I'm, I'm telling you right now, if you want to take my opinion, don't pick up this book. Just don't. Yes. You can skip this. Yeah, 100%. this is
0: definitely skippable. I don't feel like you're losing any story points or anything like that, uh, or plot, you know, by, you know, missing this book. So, we basically just summed up the whole thing for you. <laughs> she learns how to use the stone. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's... You know? Okay. So, but yeah. All right, well, let's move on. <laughs> infinity countdown champions number one spinning out from the fallout of the battle of the power stone in pages of infinity countdown the champions head to space to save the Nova corps and stop warbringer but other forces are moving against them these young heroes are in for the fight of their lives I enjoyed this book for the most part. Um, this was, uh, you know, we kind of read a few champion books in the past yes. with
1: Wade writing them. Yeah, especially if they had like the whole Avengers going back and forth storyline.
0: Yes, that's right. That that was the first like a run for them after the whole legacy Worlds thing. Worlds collide. Yes, yes. Um, and then Wade actually did the Avengers book when, you know, Nova and um, Miles and... Miss Marvel were part of the team too, mm-hmm. so you kind of had crossovers happening there. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this book. It wasn't anything exceptional. Um, if anything, it made me appreciate Nova a little more in his story. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically waking up with a distress call from the Nova, Nova Corps. They're getting attacked by Ultron's, um, you know, minions, his robots or whatever, and you know he's responding to them. And you got him like flying off. Um, he had a nice, like, back and forth between him and his mom before he leaves mm-hmm. and everything, which I thought was kind of cool. I had a layer to the character that I haven't seen before. I didn't know if his mother knew what he did or anything. Um, so, and then basically the team, like, rallying around him as he, you know, goes off. Because he's trying to go solo, but the team said, no, you're not going alone. And they all kind of, like, join up and rally around him. Um I didn't realize how powerful he was either. The fact that he's like, you know, basically carrying that ship that's mm-hmm. not equipped to be in space, you know, himself. Um, I thought that was pretty badass. Um, and then I like the fact that Riri is not part of the team, too, Ironheart. Um, I did not realize
1: that. Yeah. She so. joins like pretty much at the end of Wade's run.
0: Okay. All right. So um, Miles is not part of this book. and He's um, dealing with something and the yeah well yeah he i think at the end of end run he's actually hospitalized so i think he's actually dealing with injuries or something like that and then um hulk um yeah shows hulk is not part of this either for some reason i don't know where he's at
1: right now well he's actually in domino he's been doing stuff with her so i don't know if really anything else
0: okay yeah so and i don't know where those books match up it's Mm -hmm. always hard continuity wise with marvel so um but yeah no i i i enjoyed this team i enjoyed their interactions and everything um i enjoyed someone else writing this team um this is definitely you know they used a lot of the young naive superhero tropes that you see with books like this um you know we've seen them in like young avengers and like even like to go back with like new mutants and everything Mm. but i feel like that's what this book is about like heroes learning to be heroes type deal um you know nova you know flies in you know half cocked
1: going after war uh bringer but but it'll only be good if they learn that lesson and i would rather not not like learn how to be heroes but learn that they're just running into something very like the cover of the next issue is Nova being held by thanos Mm -hmm. i mean they literally decide oh i'm gonna fight warbringer in front of The Shatari and in front of Thanos.
0: I, you know, it seems like what I enjoyed was Miss Marvel, um, you know, trying to talk sense into Mm. Nova. You know, I, I guess she's the leader of the team. Yes. Okay. Um, you know and seemed like it was really Nova, you know, being rash and going into you know things you know <laughs> running after Warbringer and getting his ass handed to him right away and they end up on this planet. and I was surprised that Thanos was there. so that was kind of a, a nice like you know pleasant surprise um, and to learn kind of what was going on at the Chitari and everything, you know, the fact that like Thanos was or Thanos was ready to let Warbringer slaughter all the Chitari because they were being dishonored by him. Mm. Um, I thought that was kind of cool to see. Um, but yeah, like, it's interesting that they would be willing to defend the Chitari even though they knew, like, if Thanos turned around and said, kill them, they would totally just destroy them. I mean, I guess that's them, you know, being your very, like, you know, typical, you know, hero.
1: Um, well, I could see the Avengers trying to pull that as well. Like, well, we don't let people die for no reason. But yeah, but the Chitauri.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, as it's, it's illogical as it is, you know. But yeah, the Chitari's is like a hive almost. So, um, but yeah, they defend lives no matter what. So it's very noble. It's very, you know, I don't know. It, but it's yeah. It definitely feels like a fight that they shouldn't be picking. No. Um, but so I understand what you're saying. I feel like they'll learn like a Lesson, it won't be the lesson because I feel like that's the whole you know right, mission of the, the books, book. Yeah, so
1: what they deal with in almost every <laughs> single storyline, uh huh. I don't know, I just want I want a little bit more growth, I guess, with these characters. Mm-hmm. The way that they um, the art was in some of these panels though, they made them look like they were almost adults, yes. Which was hard, I did notice I was that too. I, I did notice
0: this, that too. Um, this was by the art was Clayton Crane. And, oh no, I'm sorry, that was the cover cover artist, Emilio Lassio, I'm destroying that name, (laughs) and Jim Zub, which I'm trying to think what else Zub's been doing. I don't think he's writing the main Champions book right now, unless I'm wrong. So, because I know someone took over for Wade, so, So, um, because I was,
1: I, I'm intrigued by this team, Mm. so, you know, who knows that this... Well, that's what got me on Champions in the first place, Is like... Oh, yeah, wow. This is another great young Avengers type book with mm-hmm. all these great heroes on the team. Mm-hmm. So, if someone writes it well, then I'll totally be 100% behind it. But that's a big if. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, we'll see. If I, if I end up liking this tie in and Zub is writing the main book, I don't know right now offhand, you know, I'll give the Champions book oh, a, a shot. So,
1: we'll see. Like, so far, I've enjoyed it. At least it seems like we're past all the Vivian trouble yes oh
0: god i forgot about that shooting. yes with the vision there's yeah. two of them and everything. yes okay yeah <laughs> no fuck that i'm not reading any of this no <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm just joking with
0: wade's writing behind i him. definitely missed miles though yes you know i feel like he brings a lot to this team mm. so he definitely was missed in this well
1: he's marvel. almost like a quasi leader pretty much
0: yes him and yeah miss marvel so um but yeah no i like i said it was it was much better mm. than what we got with um the black widow book. exactly so, which, if you told me before I read this, I would call you a liar. I was really expecting big things from that Black Widow book. Mm-hmm. Very let down. So, but yeah, no, I'll pick up issue number two. Right. So, I don't know how many issues this is.
1: Um, it shows us at the end. We'll, we'll,
0: I think it's like two or three. I yeah. don't think it's many issues at all.
1: So, uh, next we have Avengers number three uh, The Final Hosts, part three, from Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Fate has once brought together Earth's mightiest heroes to face their greatest challenge yet. But with Captain America now taken prisoner by Loki, what hope do these new Avengers have to defeat the final host of Dark Celestials? And what startling secrets are still left to be uncovered that will rewrite everything we know about the origin of the Marvel Universe? I enjoyed this. I thought it was okay.
0: You know, I, I liked, I like kind of, we're seeing this team through Ghostwriter's eyes, I felt like, Hmm. you know, um, it seems to be like, you know, he's, he's not narrating the story, but he's kind of like, you know, who we're following through this, um, I like the interactions between the characters. I like that they're trying to tie up, you know, not tie up, but they're addressing, yes. you know, things that have happened. That was in the a past. big thing
1: for me was uh, Tony and um, Carol. Carol, like,
0: butting heads on this issue. Yes, I, I like that, mm. you know, and I like the fact that they're going to be on this team now, but they've got such friction and such, you know, recent history that's happened that, mm. you know, it's just been unresolved. So I'm cool with that. That complexity that not everyone's going to be on the same page um, with each other. I feel like that's going to make an interesting read mm. um, with this team, and we'll see where that goes because they've got a lot to deal with right now with everything that happened, you know, during uh Civil War Two, um, and so, especially with She Hulk part of mm-hmm. the team too. Um, it's weird to see She Hulk as this like savage like brute, you know. She really, you know, she's playing the role of Hulk and I know they you know they changed the title of her book to like Savage Hulk or something like that right yeah um so she was kind of filling that role for a while and she still seems to be you know filling that role I think even one of the characters said I thought you were kind of past this what's going on or something um,
1: Carol does yeah. she's like I didn't know that you were still like this what's happening yeah she yeah kind of doesn't have any control at the moment
0: um i like that we're going to find out more about the avengers bc and everything mm-hmm. um and i'm curious to see what loki's like long game is on this cuz obviously everything is not what it seems with it was Loki a good ever. like
1: exposition type issue Mm -hmm. where not a lot happens, but it brought everyone together definitely
0: transitional where you're trying to you get like thor in odin's throne room Mm -hmm. you know kind of confronting him like what the hell's going on with these celestials and what the hell's loki talking about i like that you kind of got like thor and hulk you know you know buddy buddy where like thor just kind of goes off with hulk um and I also, I, like I said, I really enjoyed Robbie, you know, as a character and everything and how he's kind of like a fish out of water mm-hmm. and he doesn't know where, where he stands or what he should be doing um, with this team. Because there's one point where they actually call him the Avengers and, you know, Robbie's like, well, should I just leave now or, you <laughs> know, <turn>, stick <laughs> well, around? Tony just
1: totally dismisses him. Says, uh, like-
0: Carol and the Tony, like, turn around, we're not the Avengers um, and I love Cap being Cap and totally just, like, throwing himself on the grenade again and, you know, mm-hmm. transporting everyone to the middle of the sun, you know, thinking he's sacrificing himself and, of course, Loki won't let him die. Um, you know, and it really... It makes me feel like Loki is playing both sides a mm-hmm. little. So... Because at one point, Loki actually says, I'm the hero of this story. Um, you know, what that means necessarily, I don't know. We'll see.
1: I think... What bothered me most was the ending with the whole, like, um, this is the cause of the infection, the start of it all. When they show, it's just, like, this, like, kind of statue. It gave me a very Prometheus feel, so I'm hoping they don't go that kind of route.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: If you know what I'm saying. Well, I I...
0: hated that movie, so I definitely hope they don't go that (laughs) route by telling us a very bland Mm. movie. It was pretty, though. Um, But, yeah, no. I could see where you're going with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it didn't sour me on it,
1: though. <laughs> like, I understand they're trying to do new things with the Marvel Universe, but it's just like... With, like, kind of
0: the lineage, it seems like. Yeah, I know. don't
1: need this, like, you know, this be-all, the Stark guy. Well, they kind
0: of explained in the first book, right? Where, like, the Celestial comes to Earth. It's It's more of, like, what was that Celestial's real mission and did, like, it seems like what did the bc avengers make the right choice um taking out that first celestial mm-hmm. um that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting like maybe it was a mistake what they did
1: well it's um, just like cuz they kept calling the human race an infection and they say oh this is where the infection started uh, but i can totally see where it's like oh maybe cuz Well, did they, didn't they show that
0: too in the first book where they like show like the um the cave people or whatever like like any up like and we're developing. talking about legacy right No, no. And the first Avengers book, I feel like they did something where they show like off panel or something like, you know, like some of the, um, you know, the cave people like kind of like evolving somehow, like they chose to let them live or something like that. And that's how everything started, you know, basically how the human race started. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm (laughs) trying to remember. (laughs) It feels like forever now Mm -hmm. ago, but... Yeah, I I feel like that's what they should, but I I see what you're saying. I could definitely, if it's anything like Prometheus, I'm definitely not, you know, looking forward to that. (laughs) Um, But maybe they could tell that story better. So, um, but yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, But so far, I'm not bailing from this book at all. You know, I mean, it's been enjoyable. It feels Avengers-worthy, like an Avengers-worthy story. With Wade's last run, you know, where they're like hanging out in an airport hangar it just felt so like any other Avengers story that I've ever <laughs> read. And they're, you know, fighting these kind of weird... And this feels more worthy of the Avengers. Um, you know, I, I'm still not on board with McGinnis as the, you know, ongoing writer or uh, artist, artist. So, I don't know.
1: I'm I'm, I'm warming up. I'm are you more behind it? It's fine. There are
0: panels where I enjoy, and I mean, oh, that looks great. But then there's other panels that just, once again, you know, it just feels so Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. to me. You know, I just like a little grit, you know, my artwork, no, so I- especially I- when there's a ghost writer involved. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I've enjoyed. It. I-, I definitely feel like this is going to be a long arc, though. I'm mean, we're issue three, and I feel like we're not halfway through mm. yet, so. We'll see how this story plays out. All right, well, moving on, we got Justice League number two by Snyder. The Totality Part Two. The League faced an impossible decision, and now they must face the consequences. While Martian Manhunter and Batman attempt to recruit an old ally back into the fold, the Flash and Hawker are blindsided by new challenges that could rewrite their mythologies. What did you think of this book, Christian? You know, especially are you compare... gonna read part three? Yes. because <laughs> yes. you did tell us that this book wasn't going to do anything for you. <laughs> you were gonna bail. So. This
1: issue did so much more compared to the first issue that I'm, I'm very happy with this. Okay, so, all right. What I, did um, you enjoy? I enjoyed a lot of, with with John Stewart, mostly because like, I um, said the right name, right? Yes, you did. I'm like, am I thinking of the, the Daily shows? Show host? Yeah. Yes, that gets me out. <laughs> of no, John Stewart. John Stewart is kind of like because I grew up watching the animated series, so I'm like John Stewart's my Green Lantern. Yeah, for, for the most part. No, so, I for a generation, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like
0: it's that way because Hal wasn't Green Lantern for a long time. So yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: getting like him having this like dark moments, you know, having to be convinced by uh, Batman to try to join the team, and then he randomly shows up as Ultraviolet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was very Yeah, you kind of see him
0: go through that transformation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that he was dealing with so much right now. You know, he made some choices that lost a lot of people, their lives. Um, so he's got all this, like, rage inside of him. So um, that was a really, like, interesting, you know, moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm curious to see what is exactly in store for the character. Because it made, I mean, what all the solicitations have made it seem like is that Jon Stewart is going to be a big part of this team. Um, but now it seems like he's going to be, you know, something that they're going to have to overcome. Yes. So now we've got a new like uh, core of rings, so a core of like lanterns. Now the uh, ultraviolet yes. group, and I don't know how many cores that makes, how many different color rings we've got floating around and i'm a big fan of all those like the uh jeff johns what he did with all the rings Mm -hmm. and everything the mythos for
1: green the lanterns are very cool and very interesting yes
0: yes and a lot of that's relatively new with all the rings and everything like that and the different Mm -hmm. colors that's all like jeff johns um so i you know he really you know redefined who green lantern you know and that whole mythos is and what that's about um so i've you know I've really, you know, enjoyed that, and I'm excited to see them kind of dig into that now, especially with Jon Stewart, because I feel like a lot of times John kind of gets, like, left on the wayside um, story-wise. And uh, like you, when I really got into D.C., um, was during, like, the whole, like, Justice League animated run and everything mm-hmm. like that. So he's kind of my, even though I'm older, he's kind of my lantern, too. Um, Hell already had his turn and everything and, you know, felt lost, so... Um, and I, I just really enjoy that character, so it it's it seems like they're gonna have a really great story arc for him mm-hmm. in store. So um, I loved everything that they did with Luthor, um, you oh, know, yes. just that opening mm-hmm. scene and everything, and just how villainous he seems. He shows up to his dad's like V A club, and you know, ends up like you know, like what is it? he? Basically, his lines like you know this club and this group has stolen so many hours away from me. My dad, like, cherished this place so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I bought it and there's a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) So he just goes there to blow it up just because he can. So Luther is back to being you know, the Lex that we all know and love. You know, there's no doubt about it. He is a villain. So it kind of makes sense where we kind of left that character Mm -hmm. no justice. Um, So, and, you know, we'll see what happens with him. So he's kind of the guy who's kind of stirring the pot right now in these books. Um, With Marsha Manhunter, um, it seems like he's being a little overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And it feels like the arc is... (laughs) No, but it seems like this arc is going to be really focused on, you know, him being a leader and everything. And what we saw at the end of the first book, um, you know, him getting that vision... But basically, mm. the universe dying. I was kind of interested to see if he was going to address that with the team. If that's something he was going to let the team know, um, you know, after they make that big decision to let that like cosmic force land on Earth after it makes it past the break wall, um, you know, and they, you know, he's basically the one to convince the team to, you know, let it happen. They all vote with him. Um, it's like a big, defining, like, leadership moment for him in that first book. And then for him to have that vision that's, you know, sent to him by uh, Vandal Savage. But the fact that he's not sharing that with the team, you know, I, I'm really you know curious to see what happens.
1: Well, it feels like, in this book, at least, um, that Seeing that is definitely affecting his decisions now with like, oh, we need to get into this right now and figure out what this is. Yeah. And he
0: was already filled with so much like self-doubt, you know, and really felt like, you know, almost like predictably like that first book was going to be about him, you know, coming to terms with being a leader and accepting that role and getting comfortable But I thought what made that first book, you know, interesting and, you know, cool to me was the fact that, yeah, you had that big moment where, you know, he finally, you know, steps up and, you know, is becoming, you know, um, the leader that everyone believes he is. But then he realizes that he made probably the wrong choice. Mm. So I'm interested to see the aftermath of that and how he deals with that. And if he's just going to carry that inside or if he's going to let people know you know, I had these visions and this is what's on the horizon for us. Mm. So, um, you know, so I mean, that's pretty, you know, for a justice yeah. league book, that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. some we heavy have space,
1: these, uh, he- you know, heavy concepts, but it's still comic. We have superheroes inside other superheroes, just, you know, in tiny ships, <laughs> as they're going to go explore the totality whatever uh-huh. the and source the, code. that's is.
0: right that's right and then the, i almost forgot about that and the Luthor is actually in yes. there too
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens
0: yes yes this is very then that was very snyder right mm-hmm. there right you know you've got these huge moments going on and these big you know themes happening in the book but then you have something insane happening at the same time you know um kind of offsetting everything yes. <laughs> so uh but yeah no uh I thought it was fun though. You know, um, totally different feeling after reading this book that I had after reading No Justice and after I had reading Metal. Now it's only the second issue. So I might be singing a different song after, you know, three and four. We'll see. Um, I felt there was a lot less exposition too. I mean, heavy on the dialogue. Don't get me wrong. You know, but Bendis is heavy on dialogue. Um, but this was more about character interaction and not exposition Mm. that was happening. So, um, yeah, so, so far, so good, you know, and I need more DC books to really like, you know, hang my hat on and read every week, yeah. so we're definitely Marvel heavy right now, <laughs> so, but, um, But yeah. it was
1: good to have a DC book that was enjoyable while I was reading, you know, not so... yes, yeah, subpar so books on Marvel's part this, exactly. this week, you know,
0: um, yeah, especially that Black Widow book, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so disappointed with that book. Um... But yeah, that's going to do it for this week in comics. Yes. Right? But that doesn't mean we're done with Marvel. No,
0: we are not.
1: Hey everybody, this is Jason and Jeff and Blake. And we're the History of Bad Ideas podcast. And if you like hearing uh, geeks talk about Fisto from He-Man? Or zombies or dragons or zombie dragons? I was given copy to read, but it's a piece of crap. So if you just like any geek or any fun stuff, just listen. We drop every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, Tangent Bound Network, or WeBeGeeksPC.com. Oh, God, I'm out of here. And remember to wear a coat.
0: Alright, and also this week we both watched 13 episodes of Luke Cage, Season 2. Let's get into it, man. Uh, Luke Cage, the bulletproof defender of Harlem, has become a celebrity. His friend D.W. Griffith attempts to earn him some money through merchandise and an app that tracks Cage's whereabouts. Uh, he spends his nights trying to stop a group that's distributing drugs under his name. And that's pretty much the first episode. Yes. That does How not the show starts. Yes. <laughs> that does not do this show justice at all. No. So um, um, Preface. Uh, spoiler warning. Yes, we are gonna go full spoilers on this. I feel like there's no possible way to review this show without doing full mm. spoilers. So, um So, all right, Christian, initial reactions.
1: Um, for this show, I, because I'm coming off of a high off of it because I just literally like was two hours or three hours ago, watched the final episode. Me too. (laughs) We almost didn't review this show this week. (laughs) (laughs) It was close. With that being said, just hearing that from me, there was a pacing issue with this show. Okay. For me. And as you know, when I watch these Netflix series, I go episode, 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 episode through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. You bitch. it. This, yeah. I did not feel like I needed to binge. Okay. I could have, if I wasn't doing a review, I could have waited a couple weekends. Okay. Because that's just how the pacing was for me up until the last five episodes. So it didn't have you like hooked off the, out of the gate? No. It didn't have me hooked until at least the last five episodes. Okay. All right. And that's just how I felt. But then the last five episodes come, and they're like some of the best episodes in drama and like hero history. <laughs> so I'm like, oh well, okay, this is really great. All of a sudden, this is really hooking me each entire time. Uh-huh. But I could really like those those first eight or uh, seven episodes. Really, just like felt for me were a bit of a drag, even though we're getting, you know, hero versus villain um, action going on. We're having these things happen. It just felt very like to get to each thing, and the way each moment happens, I was never shocked. I was never over like nothing. So you felt like it was like predictable. I wasn't predictable, but it was like I think the most shocking thing that happened during those few episodes was Bushmaster's introduction when he just ripped someone's like cuts through people's eyes that was about (laughs) it that was the only moment where i was just like oh wow this is awesome now because
0: due to time and like i really started this show Mm -hmm. like on sunday i did like binge through this entire show um and i think i have a total different like reaction than you did. i really enjoyed like those first like um eight episodes and all the episodes mm. um, in general, and I didn't feel like there was a pacing issue. I felt like they kind of solved the pacing issue that they had the uh, in the first season. Um, there was a lot of like talking head moments in this show, but everything I thought was so well done, well acted, well performed, that it wasn't like I, I could have stayed in the scene longer, you know, with the characters. Mm. Like I really enjoyed all of these performances. Like I, it was just, I mean, insane to me how well-crafted these characters were and how, like, layered all these characters were. And what a great job the show did juggling all their arcs because there were so many different characters that were getting, like, these in-depth arcs. Um, I did, like, that first episode, I wasn't a huge fan of. Like, something felt off to me, and I don't know what it was. Um, It felt like it was almost like doing a parody of, you know the first season um but then after i think i, I want to say like the beginning of se- uh, the um third episode i was hooked um you know the second episode was okay but like when they got into like the whole relationship between like cage and um claire hmm. um i really i i really got like that whole argument and everything felt like authentic it felt real um, you could see both sides of the characters. Um, you know, their stances, like, made sense. They were logical. But you could feel, like, the anger and the tension between them. It just, it felt really authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just well-written. Um, you know, and I was kind of happy to see Claire go, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's only really in the first three episodes. Yeah. Um, so, Um. but it just... Really was the start of these roller coaster mm. arcs for each of the characters. Yes, like um, they went through so much. I mm. mean, like reading this like little blurb, <laughs> like I almost forgot about half of the shit you know that happened in the first uh, episode. I mean, it was thirteen episodes, but this is like you know where the first season like it felt like thirteen episodes. They just didn't have enough story it felt like they almost had too much story in this but they still did it well like i felt mm-hmm. like they could have used almost like the last episode could have used another episode to tell that story um so i was really impressed with the storytelling in this um and i really and i don't know if it's just due to the way that i watched it but um it, it really was just an odyssey of a story. I was not expecting this from, Mm. like, Luke Cage season two. Um, This was really a, like, crime drama. Like, a great crime drama, you know, hidden as, like, a superhero tale. Um, This is kind of what, like, all those great, like, Marvel Knights line, like, that, that line of books did so well um, for Marvel in the beginning, like the early 2000s. Um, so I was really excited to see that, to bring that kind of like the streets of Marvel um to light, you know? And we've kind of, we've seen it with Daredevil and we've seen it with Punisher, but I felt like this almost did a better job where I was so invested in all the characters and all their story arcs, you know, like Luke Cage. I mean, yeah, it's his show, but there were times where I was almost invested in, like, just as much as invested into the other characters as I was Luke Cage. so If
1: anything, Misty.
0: Yes, like, Misty. her
1: story was great.
0: Misty, really, like, and she kind of, not that she was a negative the first season, I just wasn't sold on her as a character, mm-hmm. um, knowing, like, how great the character is in the comics. But this season, she really came into her own. Um, you know, uh, Danny shows up for an episode. I thought that was well done. Um, I didn't hate him. Um, even though I cringed when he first walked in and took off his shoes, I was like, oh God, not this shit again. Uh, and then they're like meditating in the barber chairs, but I, I, I enjoyed, you know, the chemistry between him and Luke Mm. and everything. I'm not going to go overboard on it. Like, I've seen some people, like, saying, oh, this is great. They really, you know, did a great job with Danny. And, you know, they really brought the character back to what he should have been in the first place. Which...
1: I mean... I'm still not... They just were acknowledging, yeah, we know what we did. This is... He's in a different place, character-wise,
0: it seems like. And Luke said, something seems different about you. I want to be like, yeah, it's actually good writing. Like, that's what's (laughs) different. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed seeing those two work together Mm to the action in this. Um, where I felt like in the first season, you know, Luke's power set is very just like punch, you know, Mm. maybe kick once in a while. That's it. So it's not very interesting action wise. Um, you have some big like feats of strength, but it's not like where you're getting these great, brilliant, like hand to hand, you know, fights, um, battles going on (coughs) like you do with like Daredevil. Mm. But I thought the action was really well done in this. Um, the characters, the, uh, the villains in this movie and I, in this movie, in this, you know, show, and this felt like a movie, um, Bushmaster, I thought was such a well-formed character, you know, three-dimensional, you know, and I know like at first he seems like a villain, but at the end of the story, he doesn't seem like the villain anymore. You know, he seems like a man on a mission to like, you know, seek revenge, you know, for his family, you know, to right or wrong. Really. And the fact that, you know, him and Luke come to odds is just because, you know, Luke's in his way. Um, So, I mean, yeah, he's brutal, Mm -hmm. but they really did a great job, you know, where you had all those issues with like, you know, Diamondback in that first, you know, it was really like after episode seven and when Diamondback is like, you know, introduced. Yeah. And he's such a like, you know, just cackling one dimensional supervillain. Um, this is the opposite. This felt like more along the lines of what they did with like Killmonger and like Black Panther, mm-hmm. just a well-formed character. Um, which he is not in the books at all. You know, he's basically no. a carbon copy of Luke Cage, Power Wise and everything like that. What they did with his backstory, what they did with his power set, just super interesting. Um, you know, and I'm glad that they didn't kill him off yes. at the end. So um, I don't know where, you know, how he would get back involved with Cage. But, you know, there's so many different ways. And I'm glad that he's still around in the Marvel Universe. So um, and then Mariah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about a tour de force. This performance is insane by her. I mean, she takes you on a ride where it is, like, it feels like The Godfather, where you're watching this, like, you know, monster, like, kind of, you know, form, like, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Corleone, you know, you're seeing, like, this kind of birth of this, like, just different, like, being, you know, happening, this transition, where you kind of got that in the first season, But it felt like she was a politician and kind of fell into like, you know, this kind of gangster life. You know, she's been kind of fighting, but now she just becomes this fully formed like monster and she is just straight up fucking evil in this. You know, there's layers though to it where you kind of see her pain and torment and why she's gotten to where she's at. And there's almost points where you like you know almost feel sorry for her and you sympathize with her, but then she does something so just you know disgusting that you're like oh god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think the only like I loved everything about her arc throughout Mm -hmm. the entire thing. The only thing I never liked about it was Shades, Um, Shades interaction, Shades whole love angle with her. See, I like
0: I actually enjoyed Shades, and I did not like Shades in the first um, season, but I liked I liked. Everything that he did, especially with him and his relationship with um, Comanche.
1: I love that, uh-huh. but for some reason it felt like all over the place. Like, his emotions and reasons towards things constantly just felt like it was swapping, flipping around. Like, um, one moment he's killing someone for her, the next moment he's like trying to reason with her and explain, like, you can't be doing this. Like, I understand that she took things to a new level and... Much are you talking
0: about like the whole um the diner scene that as well but i'm just
1: i'm saying like it he just felt very wishy-washy like i just like he... well because i to track
0: it you know in the beginning of the season he's kind of going back and forth she wants to go legit mm. she wants to sit there and she wants to sell the gun business and just basically live off the money that she makes invest into all this you know whatever um they have the character piranha who I thought was a cool pull because Piranha's like a deep cut from Luke Cage's past in the comics. Um, totally different character. Like Piranha has like this metal jaw who like <laughs> it's basically his power. He bites people. Um, hence the name Piranha. But they made him to like this sleazy, like, you know, investor. Um, but it's still a cool pull. Um, but they, he, she wants to invest all this money, everything like that. Shades is trying to talk her out of it like no we need to keep the, you know mm. our, our weapons we have to because she's selling all of their arms basically and like where their source you know basically the right to get to these people that they're buying their weapons from um, where you know she's finding him on it and then all of a sudden you know you see this kind of flip. Where, you know, she kind of comes to seeing the way that he's thinking, mm. but then he sees the monster that he's created, and he starts to kind of back Because regardless of, you know, Shades being, you know, a gangster and, you know, a, a class A criminal, he still believes in a code. And what she becomes is beyond any kind of code, you know. She only has one person, you know, that she really respects or trusts, and that's herself. Mm-hmm. Um so I I actually enjoyed that. Um but you know I could see where the you know all the making out and the <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I was expecting a di- like at the end of the first season what I got from Shades was that he was going to be using her not mm. having this whole relationship with her.
0: Yeah. See and, and uh, you know and I hate I hated Shades in the first season. Like, I really felt he felt like the performance was very cheesy to me. Um, You know, he felt cartoony. So maybe just the way that they, you know, changed, the like, tweaked the story a little bit, you know, made me enjoy the performance so much. And I felt like that guy brought his A-game
1: this season. Oh, yeah, no. Every single performance in the show. Yeah,
0: right? I mean, this is a true, like, ensemble,
1: Mm. like, cast.
0: You know, to the point where I was, like, disappointed that, like, some of them, you know, we won't have next season. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, so, I mean, so it's more of, it felt like such
1: a change for you, like his motives. I guess, yeah, I just didn't like his motivation throughout this season. Mm-hmm. And which, I still loved everything his character was doing, what, like the stuff that they had him doing, but at the same time, I just felt like I would, I would have enjoyed his character more if he was trying to. I mean, I guess, be a part of this um, King of the Hill battle that we had. See, I, I
0: was okay with it just because, like, and I felt like that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the first handful of episodes, I really did feel like it was going to be, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. You know, I felt like he was just doing a really good job working her. Um, and then we were going to find out that he's really been plotting, you know, guess especially with him really, you know, arguing with her so much and trying to convince her not to sell, you know, their, you know, arms you know dealer Mm. like you know the rights to their arms um so when that whole episode happened where you know he basically finds out that comanche is you know the rat and they have the little confrontation in the barbershop and they kind of you know you know start talking about the past and they went to levels that i didn't expect that they were actually you know former lovers and you know They have this deep rooted relationship and everything like that. It just brought this whole different dimension to the character. Um, And it was just so well performed that it just totally like won me over. I was like, my God, you know, where like last season, I just like almost cringed. Yeah, you know, I felt like he was on it screen was, was so much. A lot more
1: wooden last yeah. season. For sure. Yeah, it was
0: very, like, you've seen that role played mm-hmm. a million times. You know, you knew, like, you know, he's trying to manipulate her. He, he's, he's there when he, she finally kills Cotton Mouth, um, you know, to pick up the pieces and you can kind of see him pulling the strings and everything. Um, where, you know, you're right. Like it, it does feel almost off putting that, you know, to see them in this like actual like real relationship and that you know they do actually love each other in their sick twisted way mm. uh, up to the last episode yeah <laughs> really um but yeah no i i don't know i w- i i just i think it just came so far to how i felt about the character in the first season that i was just you know completely invested in the character you know and the for- like when he finally kills Comanche um you know, and he drops that tear. You know, I was like, my God. <laughs> That's some fucking good shit right there. Um,
1: I just, I, I love, and I, even Comanche, I mean, every character. I, there was not a waste of character. Like, at first, I was like, oh, Tilda's going to be a character I don't care at all about. Yes. And yes. she grows into something so much more powerful.
0: Yes. And, you know, she, and I didn't even make the connection, she's actually Nightshade. Yes. Yes. Um the villain in Marvel, who classic 70s like Luke Cage villain, um, crazy robots, kind of a poison Ivy ripoff mm. at the same time. But she recently had been teaming up with a uh, Nighthawk in um, Marvel's books and she's oh, okay. kind of had a hero. she was actually in Secret Empire. She was part of the resistance in Secret Empire when they were in the hangar and everything. She was one of the characters I had to look up because I didn't know who the fuck she was. (laughs) She was running with Nighthawk in Chicago and it's revealed that she actually is basically, like Nighthawk dies. Hydra ends up gunning him down. Mm -hmm. But she actually kind of replaces Nighthawk um, in that scenario. So, um, but yeah, so she's kind of like, you know, come back into the fold in the Marvel Universe recently. But at the end of this season, you see like, in, in her classic villain look, hairstyle and all, You see her like kind of on the rise, you know, starting to fall, you know, down her mother's like Mm -hmm. path. And in in the books, she's not related to Mariah at all. (laughs) So it's kind of cool though, how they, you know, and sometimes I cringe when, you know, they try to work too many characters in Mm. and they fuck with mythology and everything. But I really enjoyed
1: this. I I felt like like that's a character that you can play around. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they did a really good job, you know, And, and like I said, with Bush, you know, Master and everything. I felt like they brought a lot to that character and redefined that character, but the same with, you know, Nightshade here. Mm. Um, Because Tilda, yeah, God, you know, I mean, she had such a great performance and her arc is amazing too, you know. Um, My God, you know, and I feel like it's it's so sad because I feel like a lot of these actors would be out, like up for awards and everything, but the fact that it's a Marvel property, they won't. Um, Especially, uh, and I'm, Totally butchering her name, Elfred Woodard, I believe is her name. But she definitely should be carrying some hardware, like during the mm. award season. Because I mean God, the just the arc that she took us on. No, yeah. As soon as insane. I finished
1: that episode where she tells pretty much Tilda, i I never loved you and I never wanted you. I sent you that text saying so she's getting an Emmy for this. Don't <laughs> Oh my god. And you could see, like, the
0: heartbreak with Tilda, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, no. I mean, she took us on a ride. Because, I mean, really, like, there's points where you felt like, okay, I see where this is going. And what was cool about this season was there was plenty of points that it felt like a season finale. Like, a lot of the episodes, especially, like, around, like, episode seven or eight, like, okay, well, it feels like this is ending now, where I kind of started getting concerned. Like, oh, yeah. do they have enough story to keep us, like, when they get to uh Danny's, like, um,
1: office yes
0: and they're holding up i was was like like,
1: this feels like the end
0: yes but it's only (laughs) wait a second it's only like episode eight um so uh it really did feel like just for me especially those last like you know five six episodes were just so well paced Mm -hmm. where it almost felt like they had too much story like if like you could have stretched this you know especially where we end up in the last episode i would have almost to see like So basically what happens is, you know, for those who are listening to this before watching Luke Cage, which I don't recommend whatsoever, you should just watch this (laughs) and then come back to us. Um, I mean, still come back, but, you know, watch it first. So basically, you know, they take out Mariah, you know, she's imprisoned, but she's going full Godfather, taking everyone out. There's a vacuum caused, you know, by her, you know, not being there anymore and not, you know, controlling everything. So all the families are warring. There's no, like, code on the street anymore. Shit's hitting the fan in Harlem. Um, And Luke is coming to the hard decision of, like, he needs to be more hands-on and basically wear the crown that, you know, Mariah, you know, wore. Um, You know, he's seen it as more like, well, I'm just doing this to kind of, you know, keep the peace but you know other characters are like what the fuck are you doing you're basically becoming Mariah Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like that that could be a whole other like especially like that vacuum being caused like that could have been the first like three or four episodes of your third season you know and I would almost if I had like a nitpick or a qualm about this whole thing I would almost like to see more of that so we could kind of you know, so like Luke's decision didn't feel so sudden because it did to me feel a little sudden for him it to was. Kinda, kind of like, yeah. okay, well, I've got to go ahead and I'm going to, you know, run the club now. And, you know, she wills it to him, which I think is awesome. The fact that she willed it to him, knowing that it would, you know, hoping that it would almost corrupt him. Um, I thought that was great. Mm. A nice little like, you know, uh, cherry on top of everything. Her death scene was fantastic by the way i love the desert like i knew pretty much like right when you know uh, tilda kisses her that oh she just fucking killed her oh uh, I, I didn't really uh, I and maybe because like, i knew, like i know like the the villain's like <laughs> history in the comics i was like oh she totally just fucking like killed her or poisoned her
1: no i didn't know that she was nightshade until she said uh my name is tilda johnson I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to Google that because that's definitely a character. There's a reason why yes. they Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, you yeah, know, and the but when she walked in with the hairstyle, man, that was it. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, no, that whole arc, um, you know, and the last and really it really is an arc that happens that last episode, mm. um, I felt like could have really been stretched into like multiple episodes. Well, to see about... just Harlem suffering more, where mm-hmm. you kind of understand why Luke Is making the choice that he is.
1: And I guess that that scene where the two people are shooting and there's the woman holding her child is supposed to be kind of that for you. Yeah. But I totally agree. And they do a lot of cool montages Mm.
0: where you're just seeing people getting slaughtered and Shades comes up and tells a story about like this diner owner who's been there and been untouchable for years, you know, dying because of, you know, crime and violence that happens in his diner. So there's just, there, they do well, like, a good job, like, telling that story,
1: but I just would have
0: liked to seen it, like, mm. I know, stretched out a little more.
1: But now, after seeing him take up the mantle of Kingpin, pretty much, of Harlem. Hold
0: on, though. I want to get back to that, the death scene, though. Okay. What the fuck is the line that Luke says to her <laughs> when that, like, I'm, like, expecting, like, this heartfelt wow. moment between him and Mariah, he and he's like, I'll says... stay here. I'll stay here. And she goes, It burns.
1: And he says, Good, pretty much. Yeah,
0: basically. <laughs> I thought that was fucking badass I popped when he mm. did that when he was like hey, good I hope it does or something like that mm. I'm paraphrasing it was much better than that but I thought that was awesome you and know? you
1: see it in her face like what?
0: damn yeah but you see it in his face too mm. you know I, just a great great performance um, by uh, Michael Coulter yes Michael Mike Coulter Mike Coulter okay by Mike Coulter <laughs> By Mike Coulter. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like he's probably not going to get talked a lot about in this, with this season, because there's so many awesome performances. Woodard
1: stole the whole show.
0: She did. She did. But yeah, but I also, oh, God, man, Bush, Bushmaster, I feel like he kind of, cause he disappears Mm -hmm. for like
1: three episodes.
0: You know, I felt, I loved his arc though. I really did. And I just, I felt like he was
1: a great
0: villain for Luke Cage
1: to go up against. I think that's my biggest nitpick is the way he went out It's pretty much just like, he's too hurt, we're just gonna kick, he's gotta go. He doesn't even say anything during that last few moments when he gets taken onto the van and they uh, take him away. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just like, we're done here. You know, he can't do this anymore. He's I liked,
0: I liked, um, his, like, right-hand man coming in to the bar yeah, shop. Yeah, he was
1: fine. He did,
0: but i like that point where he is Mm. like you know um harlem's in good hands you know to paraphrase you know now you know like we're basically we have a truce you know we're moving on um do i believe it no i feel like he'll eventually show Mm. up you know because i feel like the performance was so good that people are going to want to see him again he felt like a legitimate threat to cage you know, the entire time. And that, yeah, that opening scene when he shows up to, you know, that other, you know, crime boss's house and fucking takes him out, you know, with the knife to the eyes. I mean, you knew right then and there, you know, you're in for a treat because he was just, I mean, vicious right from the get-go. But I also loved how they counterbalanced that with, like, the family dynamic when, like, he shows up to the diner and he's, like, talking to his uncle and his aunt and everything and you see this different side of him. Um, I thought that was great. There was a good balance that they had in there and it mm. really made him a fully formed, like a fully realized character, which a lot of times, like what we saw with, you know, the first episode or the first season, um, with Diamond, uh, Diamondback, right. uh, he, you know, that was the big qualm we had, you know, we went from this great, you know, character in Cottonmouth to Diamondback who just felt like completely forced on us, um, you know, and felt very you know one dimensional, very cookie cutter. You know, um, you know, in the villain, you know, role, and it really was supposed to be Mariah at that point, but she was kind of in a weird place too. Um, she wasn't the character that she is now, mm. you know, or was in season two. So, but yeah, no, I'm sorry. What were what were you saying now about um?
1: Well, I just wanted to mention before we even talk about the like implications of that arc was well, just like how we see him become kingpin how badly now do you want to see a third season oh yeah that, and that's exactly. another thing
0: i i want to see the third season of luke cage more than i want to see the third season of daredevil right now because of everything that's been set in motion and mm-hmm. what it means for that netflix universe cuz you know he's going to come to odds with the
1: rest of the heroes i mean unless he's dust you know
0: yeah <laughs> I guess that's how they could open up, you know, Daredevil season three, you know, him standing in the club and Luke's just a pile of dust, you know, oh, well, <laughs> or Claire just sweeping him up in a dust pan. <sighs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm more like pumped for season three of Luke Cage than I am of any other like Netflix property. I mean, I archer season. Two. No, I want and but. I want to see Daredevil season 3, but like <laughs> season 3 of Luke Cage can't mm. get here soon enough. And I'm wondering continuity-wise where the rest of the Marvel universe is going to be like if if it's going to get addressed in any of those other seasons because Jessica Jones mm. is the I think the first season that we're going to get of 2019 and that happens in March. So I'm not sure exactly, you know, when they're going to address it or if they're just going to hold off on everything until season three. I'm guessing that Danny's appearance in this actually takes place after season two for him, since it seems like he's already dealt with everything that happened with uh, Kung Lao. Um, You know, because he's talking about like he's in a different place now and everything like that. So I I have a feeling Uh, that that maybe that arc already happened. That doesn't mean I Uh, want to see that arc. I was, I was very happy with the fact that he could just flare up the fist. Yes. Right? Thank God. And it just, yes. <laughs> yes. And those fight scenes were really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they uh, go into that drug lab, where or, or they think it's a drug lab and it's really just for the nightshades, for the one plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was awesome, you know, him and Luke, you know, teaming up together, and they do they do the patty cake move, and mm. you know. I, I cringed at it being called patty cake, but you know, it was
1: fine. I I wanted to see um, their inter- Like originally, when I predicted this like season stuff, I was like, oh, you know, they're going to do the whole heroes for hire like thing, and they even tease it a ton in this uh, season where they're like. Oh, I'm gonna hire you, Luke. They just keep talking about hiring heroes mm. for like four or five episodes. So I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're having issues, um, you know, with uh paying Iron for pops. pops. Oh, oh, yeah, for, for the barbershops, yeah, barbershop. I'm like, oh, they're gonna turn that into the iconic heroes for hires place, and that's what they're gonna,
0: <laughs> but now I mean, you're not gonna get that for a while, nope, because I mean, with season with where Luke is, you know, we we're left with Luke after this season. I mean, you're on some straight fucking like mm. Godfather shit now. You know, now you've got, you know, Luke almost in the place of where like Mariah was at the end of the second season
1: or first season. So, um, and that all ties back into their, his arguments with Claire, with Claire saying, I'm afraid of what you're going to become. And That's how, how that and how great
0: is it that, you know, Sugar, you know, goes up to Luke and says, Claire's here. Mm. And he just tells Sugar to tell her to go home. So, cause I was almost like, oh, now they're going to have a big confrontation and everything like that. He's like, no, I don't even want to face you. Which makes you feel like, okay, he knows that he's not on the right track mm-hmm. and he's not ready to face her right now. Um, so, I mean, there's big implications coming, you know, for this character. So we'll see if he can hold it down. I mean, do you feel like the choices
1: he's made are all for the right reasons? Um, I think that he thinks that they are. Okay. You know, because I feel like he wouldn't be giving up pops. He wouldn't be giving up all of this that he's, you know, his life that he's pretty much had to pretty much take her spot if he didn't think he was doing the right thing.
0: And how great was that scene between him and DW at the barbershop where DW Mm. confronts him as, like, you're taking over? You know, you're going to be the crime boss, you know? And regardless of your, you know, reasoning behind it, you're still a crime boss, you know? And he basically kicks him out of the barbershop. I mean, that was a great moment, really. And and the, the homages that they play to the Godfather, like, from, like, basically, like, just, like, doing the entire scene of the end of uh, the first Godfather, where they've got him, like, whispering, sh- whispering into his ear. And, you know, the door closing behind uh, Misty. Um, Misty, yes. Um, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was awesome. So I really, really enjoyed the season. I, like I said, I, I really felt like it was just a odyssey of a season. Um, you know, I mean, the music was just. I mean, once again, the music almost seals the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a few scenes where I felt like it was almost overscored, um, but overall, I mean, the music is like a separate character. There's definitely itself.
1: moments where like they decide. I'm going to play a whole song rather than have dialogue at this moment. So I was like, okay. I was
0: okay with those seasons. With those moments, it was more the moments where like people are in the middle of a conversation and like you can barely hear them over the music. Oh, okay. You know, like there's like, they're using the music to kind of get the point of the conversation across. I mean, it was very like seventies exploitation, you know, movie style, but at the same time, it was a little much. It was like too on the nose at times. But I mean, I would still give the score, you know, and soundtrack for this movie like an A. Like, you know, those moments, you know, happened here and there, you know, maybe. But throughout this whole season, the music was fantastic, especially the stuff in the club. You know, the, the way they used that as like source music for, you know, for the soundtrack. It was just amazing. They did that a lot in the first season, but I felt like they brought it to the next level during this uh,
1: second season. So, um, but yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, is there anything
1: else that we're missing? I'm just, I'm just thinking just like, this is not where I expected the end, like at the end of Defenders where you see Luke taking this like kind of leadership role with these four and kind of just being this hero going into this just, was just mind chatter. Yes.
0: Right. Like I didn't see this coming at all, you know, I mean, even like halfway through this season, I didn't see this coming. At all. So this totally just threw a curve. Mm. Just great storytelling, though. I mean, like I said, this is a great crime drama that just happens to be a superhero show. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, this was fantastic. Just great storytelling happening here. And I love a good like crime story. But this definitely, I mean, this show was mo- almost more about the two warring families than it was about like Luke Cage at times. But I was okay with that. Um, I didn't feel like Luke got lost at all, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I, there were times where like we didn't see Luke for like half the episode and I was okay, you know, um, which usually would make you think, oh, well maybe the performance isn't, you know, up to par or something or like Luke isn't, you know, worthy of the show being, you know, called Luke Cage, but it's the opposite. It's just like, you know, just the cast around him and the story was just so phenomenally told that it was okay, you know? Um, but yeah, no, this is one of my, like, God, I would put this on the upper echelon of like Netflix, like Marvel shows mm. for me, like season wise. Um, because like you said, it was just totally unpredictable. It threw a complete like curve into the whole, like, you know, Netflix, you know, universe. Um, you know, cause yeah, what does it, not only how does it affect Luke Cage's world, how does it affect all the other you know, stories like Jessica mm-hmm. Jones, Iron Fist, uh, Punisher. Like, you can't see a... a, a I mean, I could definitely see where, like, Punisher and him are going to come to odds now. You
1: know? Uh, Especially if the, if he really holds that position. That would be great to see. Yes. Punisher pretty much is going after him. Yeah, because in Punisher's eyes, he's a crime boss. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to be gunning for
0: him. But what gonna is he going to do against a bulletproof man? You know? So, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's mm-hmm. going to be fun. If they go there with it... Um, I don't see a full like villain turn or anything for Luke, that being said, but I definitely see some confusion, you know, and soul searching happening because um, it definitely felt like he was enjoying, you know, his castle mm. now and his new role at the end of this season, um, you know, and it definitely felt like there was a little like, you know, just seeds of mistrust being planted. You know, between, like, his different relationships. Mm-hmm. It's really sad that the um, actor who portrayed his uh, father... Yes, yeah, I did not know that away. he had passed away. Reggie Cathy passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, just a great actor that I first, like... Um, my first exposure to him was, like, in The Wire. And obviously anyone who's in The Wire <laughs> has gone on to great things. Mm-hmm. Um, and is a fantastic actor. So, I mean, he was also in House of Cards... Um, but his betrayal of the father, because I at first felt like it was kind of a weak point where I was just like, I don't really care about the subplot. And this is really a show all about subplots. Mm-hmm. There's just subplots, you know, everywhere, just different threads going around. But they all come together and work out well um, and work together well. But like this subplot, I was kind of iffy about until like the whole like when they're all like under siege and they're uh, in the headquarters yeah, exactly. and ready to see you know, that like kind of work itself out and just those two actors work together and just, I mean, how so much of, um, his dad is in Luke. Mm. So I, I really, you know, enjoyed, you know, that whole, you know, relationship, you know, what it became, you know, in the middle of the season. And I would love to see his reaction to Luke in season three. Um, so, you know, it's too bad. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. This this really like ended on a high note for me. Like I said, I cannot wait for season three mm. of Luke
1: Cage. And hopefully, you know, they with all the Netflix shows, they can kind of hold this momentum and keep going forward.
0: Yeah,
1: because um, I definitely um, after season two of Jessica Jones,
0: like I wasn't as excited for this season, um, but now I feel like they've got momentum again. Mm. You know, and I'm definitely looking forward to like Daredevil. Um, whenever that drops, which I guess it's going to be in the fall. Um, but, you know, Iron, Iron Fist season two. Eh. It's supposed to come out
1: next, right?
0: Daredevil or Iron, Iron, S- Iron Fist. Fist? I feel like Iron Fist is next, which yeah. seems wrong. It feels like it should be Daredevil next, but I guess, yeah, Iron Fist we is We haven't supposed got to be next. any
1: advertisements or. Well, anything. even for
0: Luke Cage, like we barely, we got a teaser and we got a trailer and that was it. So they really kind of, you know, did the bare minimum for this. So, and they're really even like, I haven't heard much buzz this week, um, but I'm hoping that there, there's kind of a groundswell around this season, because mm. I feel like this season was so well done that maybe, you know, people will just be kind of late to the show and, you know, really, you know, just get behind this, um, you know, to kind of, you know, almost speed up <laughs> season three. It's only for selfish reasons that I wanted <laughs> that, but you know, just and I just feel like it's well deserved. Like, this was so much better than season one, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed the hell out of those first like six, seven episodes, but just downhill after that.
1: But yeah, this this was just a masterful, done, done job yes. of story. I mean, just to wrap up what I was saying, like, when I even started this, it's just mostly seeing where it ended, seeing where all these storylines came together, made all those episodes more worth it rather because at first I was just like I don't care about this I don't care about this I don't care about this and then it made me care about it by the end
0: I see what you're saying yeah I see like so it basically added weight yes to all those first like five six episodes because you you enjoyed yeah. this season though, yes. overall you know cause, I mean you did say that the last like five episodes were fantastic so <laughs> so it was just it was just a while ago so. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to uncork with this season yeah. so um, what would you rate this season?
1: Um, I would give it a solid four. Four?
0: I would go four and a half on it. Just because, like I said, I feel like maybe the last episode of where Luke ends up was a little rushed. Mm. Um, But, God, I mean, like I said, it was almost like operatic, like how they got to where they, you know, were going. Mm so um you know i really have very little like negative (laughs) to say so that's going to do it for this week watch luke cage binge (laughs) away um before we go though we got a couple shows that we want to shout out shows that you should be listening to um the first one is a brand new show that hasn't even started yet it's called sidekick showdown um a podcast dedicated to the unsung heroes Who support our favorite protagonists. We ask questions. Who would you want in your corner? Really unique concept. I'm really excited about the first episode. Which will be uh, coming up soon. I feel like in the next couple weeks. Um, You can go ahead and follow them on Twitter. At SKSD Podcast. So I I enjoy it podcast like this where we're like kind of all encompassing yeah. and we talk everything where they just have like a straight theme and they just go at it so i mean I, there's enough sidekicks to talk about out there so i, I kind of think that's cool so <laughs> uh next show we want to shout out is conspired podcast welcome to conspired this podcast discusses conspiracy theories among various categories including including true crime um and we love our Podern family. This is in the blurb and we love our Podern family too. Yes. But, um, this is a really cool podcast. I love conspiracy theories. You know, that's definitely a rabbit hole I like to dive into. We were never
1: on the moon. <laughs> yes.
0: So I could, I definitely dig this podcast. Uh, give them a listen. Um, they are at conspired. So that's follow them on Twitter and I'm sure they're on all of your regular podcast platforms. Um, next, we've got Piping Hot Tea Podcast. Piping Hot Tea with Vince and Emily. We discuss anything and everything with fresh content every week and off-the-wall topics. Give us a listen. Yes, indeed. This is one of my favorite podcasts going. Um, check them out. I know they're on iTunes. Um, and follow them at Podcast on Twitter. So... Next is Motion Picture 365 Podcast, a weekly podcast that follows at Film Brewers um, as he attempts to watch 365 movies in a year, new episodes every Friday. And this guy covers so many different movies, different genres, everything. And I love the mission that he's on. I feel like I could have done that one in like my like mid-20s. Like <laughs> I was probably on that pace at times, um, but yeah. 365 movies in a year. Do you think you could do it? One movie a day? One movie a day, right? Like, it feels doable. Like, yeah. now, no way. Like, it, in my 40s with a family, no fucking way. But, like, <laughs> when I was your age, I feel like I could do it. I might have done it at one point, you know? So, I
1: I, I, I love the mission, though. I think the problem is, is the quality of movies you're going to start seeing
0: oh I saw some shit movies <laughs> I still
1: do. I'm a horror
0: movie fan so I mean oh. that goes hand in hand but yeah no I yeah, yeah 365 movies is a lot of movies I've heard of book clubs and like no. everything like that where they try to do like 365 books a year or something like that that's a god <laughs> <laughs> Takes me a year to read a story, so. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so you could follow them at uh MP365 Podcast on Twitter, but you could also follow them at Film Brewer on Twitter. So, and they're on iTunes and all your other favorite platforms.
1: Awesome. Well, I hope that not only are you following and listening to all these guys, but you're gonna follow us on every platform that you can, because we are everywhere. If you want to listen to us. On what? On uh Spotify. You I'm gonna to let us? you struggle through it. <laughs> on iTunes. uh uh-huh. Um man, I'm trying You're to almost there. Everything. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Stitcher. Um Are we on Spreaker? We're on Spreaker, yes. Yes, we are on Spreaker. That's what you tell me at least. <laughs> okay. Player FM. Yeah, player FM. Uh-huh. We're everywhere, man. I'm, I'm giving up on that. Uh, Podbean, so- did you say Podbean? Yes, but okay uh, pop beans are pretty much our home i hope that you are following us on there uh make sure that you're following us on twitter on facebook and instagram because we post everything on every news yeah. memes news, memes um
0: you know yes something different on each platform yes. too so go ahead and follow us on those
1: um uh, i think in a week or from now uh we do we do a lot of live streams on like periscope we're that's starting today. yes we're starting. At least that's the hope that's um, the dream I'm going to Anime Midwest uh, in a week, or so that's oh, this July is news to me. Okay, seventh or something, so I at Paris Christian goes there. on a field trip. <laughs>
0: Christian's our man about town. Ah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, we're hopefully hopefully going to do like a monthly like wrestling show on yes. like on uh what what is what are the kids calling it Periscope, Periscope. <laughs> There we go. So <laughs> we don't even know the name of uh, the, yeah, yes, the platform, yes. but yes. We're going to try to do something there monthly um, so you can actually see our handsome faces. Mm. Um, but we'll see how that works. So, um, But yeah, that's going to do it for this week. I know right now you're hearing our house band, Them Guilty Aces. Yes. Uh, you can check them out on iTunes. You can check them out on YouTube. They've got a couple new videos out. Mm. Um, and if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can go ahead and follow them on Twitter and see when they have upcoming shows. Great rockability. Land. Yes, yes they are. All right, that's Christian. And that's Damon. And that's the an Amazing Nerd <laughs> Show.
1: Run! Go! Get to the chopper!